I'm sorry. What has complying got you guys so far? What is just little by little? Oh, just do this. Yeah, just just don't beep your horns between nine and five. That's all we're gonna ask. Then wear two masks. Then just go right back to square one. How about you put your blame right where it belongs, right in the eye of Sauron, and that's who we handle this with. And every mandate. We're not allowed to exist in society. I'm not allowed to go to a movie. I'm not allowed to go to a restaurant. I'm not allowed to leave the country. You can't even leave. You can't travel on planes. You can't do anything that Trudeau can get his fingers on to discriminate against us in society. Meanwhile, he'll blame us for side effects of his guinea pigs. It's an insane world and you've complied long enough, guys. End the madness in the horn stop. But I am in no place to go tell these guys, oh, excuse me, can you turn your horn off? Can you get used to complying again? We want freedom. We're not asking for anything unreasonable and we're doing it on your behalf. The least you can do is turn off your televisions and stop letting their horrible objections to this revolution and their horrible false flags and whatever else they bring. I'm sorry about the noise complaints. Now, are you sorry about banishing me from society and treating me like I'm some sort of leper because I want to keep my immune system intact? Sorry, guys. The horns are staying. Stuff it up your ass, anyone that has a problem with loud noises. We have a problem being banished from society. Would you believe uh, I actually only know your name right now, Alex, um, because uh, you on your Twitter handle, it's trans. Is that right? How, like, what is what's that? it's it's a ridiculous story of just logging into Twitter, not being sure if I would stick with the platform at all. So I put in a ridiculous name that came to my head. Sounds a bit like transgender, but I changed it to trans splendor <laughs> and then it stuck. And then I have people on Infowars introing me as trans splendor. And I'm like, well, I guess I go with it. I get a message from my sister about once a, once a month saying, can you please change it? And I'm like, it's gone now <laughs> you know, it's, it's out there. Right. Yeah. And I have you on my phone when we were just making contact on WhatsApp as uh, trans the bearded man from Canada it's, yeah that's how you got to uh, do it with all these new contacts you got to label them by how you know them yeah how you see them yeah yeah, yeah. and fucking hell what a way to get to to see somebody for the first time is when uh, you know I think it was Ivor Cummins tweeted you and you're walking around surrounded by a load of trucks um yeah I I think your that voice coming really struck a, well, it really struck a chord. The naturalness of how you were speaking, it was just to me, it was just total free fall exasperation, but unbelievably, wonderfully articulate and blowing smoke. But it, like it really kind of it was it is it was a striking natural tone. We're so used to people talking to the camera in a really kind of rigid formatted way and they you know it's definitely not from the heart it's it's always this way of kind of disguising everything and and it's so manufactured it's so deflecting it's so manipulative i mean it's so businessy corporate right out of a school of how to talk and then 
that's what the big thing is for me anyways come out about these characters who just come out like you and they're just speaking from whatever wherever but articulately beautifully and fucking yeah it was just lovely to see you know um and i kind of suppose if we had a starting point uh to this is kind of how you found yourself this is what we said before but like how you found yourself in that position so yeah well thank you that's really kind it's, it's been a lot of practice it's like people that say are you a good singer it's like well i sung in my car for years and that's kind of what i did with ranting i i fit rants into a two minute and 20 second box for a long time and it gets you good at you know you you make a few points to yourself about what you're going to talk about before you start ranting but you just kind of generally surf that wave of you know four topics the same people uh way people make cue cards where they've just got a few points they want to hit on their cue card but they don't write down and read the script of everything they want to say so it really was practice and, and the origin of that um came from me working in I, I worked in audio visual so when you go to hotels and you do these meetings and you got a podium and lights and the screen and all that I was doing that and I was traveling around many cities in the US working with local union crews doing audio and visual events for for big companies and then COVID hit and knocked us all on our butts and we turned our big warehouse into a mask making facility and we'll do our part. We'll work at minimum wage. We'll all just, you know, we all just joined in in 2020 to just help out. And then we got into virtual events. And so we do like these zoom calls that me and you are doing, but you want to make it look like CNN. You want to make it look like this big proper thing. And so I worked in that and I was becoming a producer of those events. So I was working with a crew and then they mandated the, the failed experiment on all of us. And I've been talking to my friends at work, which this does tie into how I started ranting it. And I'd be talking to like two or three people. And you notice when these people get together and they both agree on their narrative and they spend their whole days talking about how Trump supporters are dumb and how the, how could you not agree with top doctors? I mean, did you go to med school? Can you believe these people doubting the consensus? They build up this thick candy shell on their brains to not let in new information. So when I would try and say my piece, they'd all roll their eyes together and I'd say, why am I wasting hours of my day trying to convert these co-workers who just want to take the vaccine so they can travel to cities in the U.S. again. Why don't I just rant on my way to work? I'll do a two-minute rant on the way in. I'll do a two-minute rant on the way out. Then I can maybe reach. I set my threshold, and I still have it set. If 50 people watch it, I'll keep doing it. And so I said, 50 people is a lot, you know, and, yeah. and, and if 50 people listen to me then I can feel better about getting my point across, even if it's some echo chamber, we're spreading the normal, maybe they'll talk to other people and we'll generally increase this norm level that that crosses the human mind. So I just kept doing that. And that got me the practice at condensing my thoughts into these little two minute bits. And, and as far as, as the trucker convoy. I'd, I'd been following Canadian politics and I saw that the leadership in this convoy, this, we can bookmark this and get into it if you want. We don't. Yeah. Well, what I might, what I might do is reverse yeah. back. Yeah. Then. Cause I'm, I'll keep I'm, rolling. You yeah, keep yeah, cutting yeah. me off and go stay on track. Yeah, yeah. So what I might do is just reverse back to, I think I said this, this to uh, somebody else recently, but sitting on your couch and it's March, 2020, you're watching Netflix, scratching your whole, and eating some snacks or whatever. And um, this COVID uh, thing hit all over the TV screens. What's your reaction when that happened? Just oh, back, think, can you think back? What was yeah, your initial yeah, of reaction? Of course, to I remember it, yeah. it like it was yesterday. It was, uh, 
it was falling for the the psyop of terror. I fell for it head first before anyone else did. And like months ahead of time, when when everyone was scared of it, I was going, guys, there's people dropping dead. There's people coughing up blood and trains like this is crazy. We need to react to this. We need to get masks. I paid like three hundred dollars for 10 masks that never arrived. I was telling my parents <laughs> to stock up on everything. So I fell really head first for the psyop of. of OK, this so you, you were straight into apocalypse mode, stocking oh, yeah. up the pantry. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a really hard hitting when you see all those people wailing from their balconies in Wuhan in a full lockdown mode that we now know was just theater to condition us to do it. Well, China really didn't do those measures, right? They did treatment in China, like we ignored it, but they showed us all this terror to condition us to accept it when our own governments did it to us. I so know, I bought I, it. So, so, hold, so, but you didn't, you, you saw this March 2020 and you, were, you went and bought the masks you were going, Jesus Christ, this is serious now. This is the mm -hmm. real deal here. We need to keep safe, which is a horrible expression now. But at the time, that was kind of, we need to watch out and keep safe and watch out for each other and all that sort of shit. So, like, that movement to where you were just about to talk there, that took a period of time. Like, if I was to take you to my house, I had COVID. I, I went, I was away, I came back, and I got that initial strain. Mm -hmm. So I was six weeks sick and I and I was, you know, I was saying this is bad. It's it's I, I'm very unhealthy. I can't leave the house, blah, 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 blah. But what how did things then progress? You you were going about your daily life, but you were masking, you, you were masking up and you were keeping safe. What happened then? No, oh, I couldn't get one. There were no masks. So I was right. I was paying three hundred dollars for 10 masks that never arrived. Oh, right. I was shaving my beard, which I've long time had thinking like this will be airtight. Like I was acting like people are acting now. And and I was really believing this and I was flying to San Diego in, in early March when it was like one blip of red on the screen of where COVID had hit North America was in San Diego and the West Coast. And, and so I went through that and I watched an event in live time just be canceled and everyone going home and all the news saying that we're going to need 2 million new hospital beds like all the predictions were going out of this world crazy psyop. But the, the thing is, I went through all of that while accepting, like, I can't wait for more information to come in where we can update our data set and update our mindset. And maybe we'll be calmed down when we find out that it's not as bad. And so I, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going on? Yeah, on yeah. The, I'm trying to understand you. Yeah, just take me. Yeah. Through so then. so I went through San Diego and I came back and and no one would listen. And and I think I burned a lot of credibility with my loved ones of getting them in a panic about China in the initial March phase, where when that hysteria passed, they weren't willing to listen to me again because they'll say, well, he was wrong about China. How could he be right about vaccines not working? So I think yeah. that happened with me getting everyone up in arms about how bad I thought this virus was going to be. I was ashamed of our own politicians, of Patty Hajdu. She's a, an interior designer who was made the head of Health Canada. And she said that viruses don't obey borders, don't be racist to Chinese people, let them all fly in. And I'm like, this is madness. What, what are we doing? You know, so, so our reaction, I was totally against it. I was one of these pro-maskers, pro like, let's get this isolated. Maybe a lockdown is, is what we need, like in the very early days. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was probably about, 
I had that whole, I was miserable. I was drinking like 12 cans of beer a day, which isn't getting you drunk. It's just making you feel depressed. It's just making, you know, like you don't want to go for a jog. You don't want to do the normal stuff. Yeah. And so I cut out drinking during that time too. Cause I'm like, no, this is, this is not going to help me at all in, in this situation. So, so that was a good thing. I stayed off that ever since. And, and that helped me also in with going to the trucker protest thing. I was just a very against the whole, why are we getting drunk? Why are we like, there's people that haven't yeah. been allowed in restaurants for a long time and they want to spread their wings a bit but i kind of felt like this is a revolution what we got to have our wits about us maybe they'll come in the morning to sweep us all away while we're all hung over but back to the despair time in 2020 it was basically uh just this period where i i tried the drinking and ignoring it and doing all that stuff then i just tried to get healthy and do all the things that doctors that wanted to treat it were wanting to do and, and looking for data to come in and keep asking the people at my grocery store i'm like they were facing everyone right in the biggest spike of, of apparently covid and they're facing thousands of people that are talking to them without any screens in front of them that we have up now without any mask on and i would also i was always asking them when i came in has anyone got sick this week and they went, nope 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 and i was the only one panicking but no one was getting sick in the grocery stores yeah. so so that was the the tee up that led me to the next phase which was june uh, 2020, I believe it was June 2020, where a fake study came out about the treatment hydroxychloroquine. And that's what sent me down the rabbit hole of, oh my God, was this whole thing a psyop? So what was the fake? What was that fake study? Uh, it was a fake study done by a fake doctor from Chicago, which, you know, if you're into conspiracies, is home of a fake lawyer named Obama. Now, all the fakes come out of Chicago, it appears. And a fake doctor named Sepan Desai, uh, created a data company uh, that would manage the data of many different trials going on around the world of these drugs, and it was called Surgisphere. And he released a trial or a data of a trial that took all these results of 100,000 patients that had been put on hydroxychloroquine and then sent out, it got published in Lancet. And what I read was the retraction. But then when I read the retraction, I went to look into Surgisphere. And they had claimed that hydroxychloroquine was causing heart QT prolongation in patients that took it, which means like a greater distance between heartbeats, which is a really bad thing. It made me think it's been used for 60 years for malaria. It's used in elderly. It's using people with arthritis and lupus and stuff. How, how did they just find out about this now? And, and so when that study was retracted and Surgisphere immediately shut down and the guy just ran right out of town after that happened, say Pandesai, to go continue. He's killed people, by the way, doing, uh, I think he's a cardiologist. He's been doing stuff to patients that has killed them and he just moves his license to the next town. And last I heard he was in Ohio, but this <laughs> is one of those cases where the FBI is not even looking for him. So remember that movie, Catch Me If You Can't, where Leonardo DiCaprio is pretending to be a doctor and Tom mm -hmm. Hanks is chasing him? That's what we think in our minds happens to criminals that pose as doctors. But yeah. really, it's catch me if you can't, where they're not looking for this doctor because he served his purpose for big pharma and this whole arrangement they have. And I'm sorry, people have a trouble thinking about things in big conspiratorial tones, but it's kind of what's been happening. The pattern of evidence is we had a treatment right on the table and they smeared it. That doesn't show just an accident. So, that shows clear intention to keep us away from treatments. Okay, but so, so obviously you're, you were kind of uh, in curious mode you'd heard about this hydroxychloroquine and you were kind of going uh you know it's interesting you obviously went looking to see well okay this could be a good answer to keep to protect people and then it came out that it that it, you know this paper suggested that it absolutely wasn't that it was kind of dangerous was it did you know about it for you to be able to go hold on a second here that does this doesn't add up uh, what drew you know what made you look I, I, into it 
I, it might have been a doctor talking about treatment and, and me saying, what, what's going to work? What are the treatments mm -hmm. that already exist that we could repurpose to treat and not just wait? Because I wasn't falling for the just wait for a vaccine group of like, let's all lock up until a vaccine is developed. I thought there's got to be something that's going to work. Or I didn't think that it wasn't my organic thought. There must have been someone that triggered me to that, like a Peter McCullough type figure that I can't remember at this point. But uh, something had me thinking like, hey, this might work. This is promising. And when I, look, when I heard about the study that had been created by a fake doctor and a fake data set, I thought, this is not just an accident. They really want you to stay away from this. So I started looking into studies, and there were small studies from, um, and I don't know how to read these studies, but you read a bunch of them, and they generally give you the conclusion and the abstract of them, yeah. and you get a general picture of it. So there's small, like, 150-person study in South Korea that's saying hydroxychloroquine was working amazing. So all these studies say it's working amazing, and then hydroxychloroquine is smeared by this one company, and that halts all the trials on it. I'm like, why aren't they looking at this? majority of other trials and it got me down another rabbit hole with I wanted to find another study that was against hydroxychloroquine because it's 60 years of safe you're gonna have to do a lot of showing to say it's not safe so I went looking for another study and I found one at Oxford with uh, Dr. or Professor Horby and the recovery project and then I looked into the study of who was funding it. it was all the same players it was Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation it was the Chan Zuckerberg initiative so the one study out of dozens that are not getting play in the mainstream news they focus on this new Oxford study now that's our reason that we don't use hydroxychloroquine and it kept my country from ever prescribing it at all we have doctors in canada who still cannot prescribe the answers to this or the yeah. the college goes after them so so what i'm curious about as well before we go even there is that to get to know you a little bit can i ask in your job beforehand would you problem solve so in other words if there was a problem to solve with audio or whatever technical thing that you'd have to go and get somebody or you figured out yourself or solve the problem you're not going to wait let's just say for some magical solution to come in you have to think of all of the options to try and figure it out do you know the question I'm uh, I'm yeah i do and and i don't think there is that correlation with my job i was very good at finding the people who were more prone to troubleshoot better than myself, right? But I you was still, at, you still have to arrange to get it solved. Uh, yeah, it was my job was and why I loved it was it, it forced me like if I was to prepare a show and given three weeks to prepare a show, I wouldn't start working on it until like, you know, four days before, which is not a very disciplined person. But mm -hmm. the part of our shows and executing them is you have to be live at 5pm. So there's always a pressure on you to make sure this all works, make sure that you've tested, make sure the CEO of Home Depot has got on a steady landline and he's called in, make sure that uh, all the videos that we've got to roll during the breaks all work so it's coordinating with a team and i really enjoyed that aspect of it and would there be Did a lot of checking well, well it, yeah. would it be a lot of checking and double checking and not necessarily trusting people when they say it's done just as a matter of interest yeah i think that me looking for things to make sense and not trusting the standard authorities didn't stem so much from my job mm -hmm. as as more just an interest in reading stuff on my own time and, and hearing from people that you know the system had gone against and and hearing the Kerry Mullis interview very early on where he describes how science has been hijacked by politically appointed doctors and 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 generally like I was I was into all kinds of things beforehand like the demographic effects of mass immigration on our countries like I would I'd always be preoccupied and totally fine with big implicating uh, doomsday scenarios that we can avoid 
right? And, and that okay. not enough people are thinking about them. And, and I notice that we're all living in this world where everyone's thinking about the immediate threat of, of the cultural Marxist coming to you going, make sure you're not racist. Are you not racist? And they say, oh God, of course I'm not racist. Uh, what do I need to do to, to prove to you with minimal thought that I'm not racist instead of thinking about the bigger issue of why are they asking you to do that? And why is it never enough? Why does BLM have no end in sight when they demand something? There's not some moment in time where BLM's going to go, you know what, guys, we're pretty much equal now. We're done. It's a constant eating away at Western civilization that I've always been interested in. And these big dark books, and I'm a big Churchillian. If you want to look at like, I look at things through Churchill's lens, which my Irish side of the family doesn't like too much. But I say, you know, he, he, he liked Ireland too. If you look at his mother, she lived in Dublin and gave a lot to the poor. And there's all that argument. But I'm into Churchill looking at things and saying, uh, one of his quotes is, you should never turn and run from a threatened danger. If you do that, you'll double the danger. You should always face it head on and you'll cut the danger in half. So people running away from tough subjects to deal with is what I've always been running towards. Okay. So that that's been separate from work though. Yeah, but that, but so then you're you were locked down. Your brain is active. You're obviously curious and you you're you're looking at a problem and wondering, well, I was kind of wondering why are we not talking about solutions really? That I, I maybe I was projecting upon you there, but my brain would go to well, okay, I know there's one solution, but are there other solutions? Is that the best solution? Can we have a look at other ways? And is the problem really a problem? My, my personality is if somebody's telling me that there's a killer under the bed, I'm just going to check to see if there's a killer under the bed. And if there is, then, but I need to know there is. So in other words, if there's something to be afraid of, I kind of need to know it. I need to be able to see it because most fear is irrational in my you know in my humble opinion most of it is is not real apart from a bus hurtling towards you that's kind of real so so i'm there looking at it and i'm kind of going uh i'm just going to look at the data myself so i went on to the irish data set and i looked at the average age and the average age was 82 with you know pre-existing conditions being 90 percent and i at that moment in time, you know, when the average age of death is going, and I remember being, that was the first point when I was kind of expressing an opinion. And then I got this kind of granny killer attitude towards me. I, I couldn't make sense of that movement, you know, with people and that discussion that the, every sort of discussion was shut down. So that's, that's why I was just curious to where you came to this. So obviously though you went, deep and you went deep quickly like if we're talking june 20th uh, june 2020 and you're looking at a peer-reviewed paper on hydroxychloroquine then you've gone you've gone deep quickly uh yeah but there was so much to be done and, and i was still playing along with the game i was still fearing that mass vaccinations and forced vaccinations may be on the horizon with what they were gearing towards and that the digital ID and the digital passport and all the stuff that Alex Jones has been first to, no matter what you think of him, he's been right about so much and, and vindicated on so much that if, if you look at like how many, if, if CNN told 10,000 stories, they'd have a 20% accuracy rate where Alex Jones has a 90% accuracy rate, but the 10% he got wrong is what's fixated on, which is what they always do with this mass formation psychosis of all the people we have trouble convincing of anything. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel that same way, but I also like an argument. I also don't fear opposition from people and, and false consensuses of elitism where they believe in Occam's razor. And it's like, well, my worldview has fewer moving parts than yours and yours. Bill Gates has to coordinate with the WHO and our doctors have to like, they've been sold this bombardment of what, uh, who was it? It was either, 
McCullough or uh, the other gentleman that was on Rogan talking about mass formation psychosis, Robert Malone, uh, Robert Malone. And, and so they were talking about how you're offered a very simple thing on repeat for so long. And it's simple. You're in chaos. Vaccines get you out. How simple is that? And you don't need to upset anything about the firmware in your brain that trust doctors, trust government, trust doctors. And what, when we're in these socialized countries like me and you are, we do that. We've, we've done nothing but pursue our own goals of like, I've got a new kayak, I'm going, you know, we all are interested in our own interests and give minimal thought to hard subjects. And we've been groomed to do that. Just trust us, you're in chaos, vaccines get you out. Daily, you step into your car, you hear it on the radio, do your part, get a vaccine and protect everyone. And they do this so often that when me and you come along and we get their ear for 20 minutes at Thanksgiving, we're offering them the opposite. We're offering them an incredibly complex worldview where it's like, oh, you shouldn't be trusting those doctors that you've deferred all knowledge to. You shouldn't be trusting the government to take care of you like they've done your whole life. So it's taking them a very long time where I'm almost, the wrong word is I'm not thankful for side effects. It's evil. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but they're not listening to reason. They're not listening. Like in in World War II, uh, before that, 10 years before, Churchill was trying to sound the alarm bell saying, you know, Mr. Hitler's got an entire war industry. It's going to take us four years to build a war industry to match up with him. And you guys won't even realize it because they didn't want to. And it took him swallowing Europe and attacking him invading Poland for people to go, you know what? I think Churchill might've been right. And in the same way, it's taking these hideous side effects that now they're doing a virtual war with Ukraine to get everyone from looking at to actually bring them out of this and go, oh my God, my 10 year old has a bad heart now from a decision I made to protect him from something that was on par with the flu. So our job is to, we're in a war of repetition. And repetition versus non-repetition, repetition wins. So we have to say the same things over and over, and it gets boring for me and you to keep doing this. And it's not for your audience. Your audience all gets it. But hopefully, they're having these conversations and not giving up on people in their lives so we don't face this consensus wall that we face to people. It's like, oh, you're just one of those uh, insane conspiracy theorists. We can battle that with more people not disowning their family who they haven't talked to and more getting back in touch with them and going, look, do you really still think this this trial is worth it? Did, did you not read anything that's been coming out about this? I know that they're conflict interested not to tell you at this point, because what doctor, if you have the choice and you're a doctor to say, you know what, strokes are on the rise, or uh, I poisoned all of my patients, you're going to say strokes are on the rise, you're going to be conflict interested to not admit the truth of what you've done to all your patients. So it's going to take a lot to get people out of this. But this magical time where we're between the next deadly variant, which the next deadly variants coming, as I learned from your show, talking to uh, Vandenbosch, Dr. Vandenbosch, that he's mm. like, it is going to come. But he wants to do that six week trial with, you know, get in with these treatments. Yeah, 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 and that's possible. We can we can get people on board with safe, effective treatments before that winter comes again, where they slam us back into this nightmare. And that's when things will get really ugly. We've made it through one winter, but I don't know. It, it, I'll go off forever. Bring yeah, back. so so, so um, uh, you make good points. So, if, you know, I go with you. Um, so but take you see the way you're talking. And you're impassioned and you it just flows out of you. And for the for the ninety nine percent of people, still the ninety nine percent is maybe it's ninety eight, but you know, the vast majority of people would just kind of go conspiracy. This is conspiracy, right? But when you were back in the February, like, would you have watched Alex Jones beforehand? Would you have been kind of finding yourself in that, being interested in alternative perspectives, 
or did it did it just kind of was he there in the periphery of your mind and then it came he came closer into your main frame of thinking can you remember uh it was i was an atheist i was a cringy 2010 to 2013 atheist who loved christopher hitchens and just loved the way his mind worked more than anything and, and loved listening to him so i would engage in debates just for the sake of debating but i don't i don't know it, i wouldn't listen to alex jones because I knew that the people I needed to talk to used him as a dismissive mechanism mm -hmm. that the second you mention it, they tune out. I loved him. I thought his entertainment value was through the roof. I couldn't yeah. be more happy to hear someone that's mind is so well informed as him and putting it into this dramatic, exaggerated reactions to things like they're turning the freaking frogs gay. And, and just those type of reactions were just entertaining to me. And that's, that's what I took from him was he's got a big brain that can store and retain a lot of info. And he knows that people won't be listening to it unless he delivers it with a bit of spice on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that aspect, but I also know that the people I need to convince they're willing. I look at it like you're selling them real estate. And what, what Alex Jones does is he sells them the whole ranch and they're not ready for that. They might be ready to look at the driveway, which is these vaccines don't work. They're not willing to look at, and the Rothschild Petro, chemical shift towards medicine that focused on this compared with the you know the uh, who else the globalists at davos that control the banking industry no one is ready for that and, and we're not going to fix it by telling people about the rothschild's firm hold on the federal reserve and all this stuff we're yeah. going to fix it bit by bit by pursuing corruption from the bottom up but that's the stuff i've focused on because i think that's the stuff we can convince people of yeah Personally, that's sing and I that's enjoy. singular yeah. yeah you see in a way like I, for me, it was always kind of simple. If I, you know, from my perspective, it was a simple view. Okay, we're locking down entire countries for a, a virus that um, kills the unhealthy aged. Um, now, we didn't do the thing, you know, the Great Barrington Declaration came out and it was signed by some very credible people. And you know, their solution to me seemed solution orientated, like almost it was, let's stick the uh, unhealthy and the vulnerable in, didn't say this, but, you know, stick them in five star hotels and let's really actually protect them. Let's actually protect the vulnerable. And I remember saying it to a few people, I was kind of going, okay, look, uh, this is a solution by scientists. Can we, can we talk about this? And that was another point I was going, what the fuck? Why, what do you mean we can't talk about it? And it was shut down immediately. And we know, like, you could say it was a perfect storm in terms of information um, being in a position to be able to be shut down. It seemed to almost come together in a perfect storm where all alternative views were suddenly killed, especially from the apparently most liberal, apparently most liberal. They were the ones who closed down any kind of view, world, other worldview. So... That's where I was coming from, just very simplistically. I know I would have heard of, uh, I'm suspicious of everyone, to be honest, but I, uh, I that kind of just rests, that's, that's, but this was simple. And yet suddenly, in a way, the narrative was complex and full of fear. And I, I thought, there's nothing to be fucking afraid of. I've had yeah. it, it's not that bad. You'll get over it. And if you're very, very vulnerable, you're very vulnerable, first of all. You know, just really in simple terms, I suppose what I'm trying to say to you. And so, you know, you had you had you were already kind of ahead of the game in terms of recognizing that, you know, 
hydroxychloroquine was a possible solution. For me, it came when I saw Dr. Pierre Corey in front of the Senate. That was my kind of, you know, moment in terms of solution. I, I, that this is, I'm actually speaking to him next week, but this is an impassioned doctor, full of energy, full of intelligence, research, experience, and he's offered a solution and he has been closed down. And then, and all, but sorry, I, I'm going around the houses to say, most of us, I feel, had a kind of just an instinct that we couldn't explain to go, why do we feel like this is going to be mandating vaccines? Even though the, the narrative was, like I felt it in my gut that this is go, they're going to talk about mandating vaccines. That, and they're going, even before any of it was obvious. Now, I can't really explain that, but I get the sense that's most of the people that I have come to know sensed this. Is that what do you do you know what I mean by that kind of sensing as opposed to it's definitely, you know, they're definitely going to make people get vaccinated. Yeah, just kind it's of... like you're you're doing division without showing your work. Your brain has assembled a bunch of facts that make sense to you in this in this world. And, yeah. and I, I like it. That's amazing. You're talking to Dr. Corey. Uh, and and I, I think more people are more susceptible to listen to someone like you who isn't, you know, been, you know, adventuring down rabbit holes as long as I have, because you're just coming at it from the simple approach, which is very much what I was talking about, about don't sell them all this land of all the real estate of all what's happening in the background. Around. sell them on what they need to know to get us to the next stage of survival and what you've done is just that it's saying we've got the clear barrington declaration that says nothing works or in the words of dr hawkinson nothing works and, yeah. and it's a targeted approach on the people who are most vulnerable and using the vitamin d and peter mccullough and zelenko protocols on them to protect them we know this will work but try mentioning the peter mccullough protocol to anyone in politics it, it gets back to they all get together in these davos meetings in the world economic Economic forum and we watch them gather what do you think they're doing they're all plotting for a big moment of chaos that they uniquely can exploit and it's what i tell people now about why we need to re-elect everyone that was within that establishment because there was a big chaos event of covid that obviously there was pre-knowledge of because you had the event 201 and them rehearsing exactly what would happen it's not conspiracy theory it's conspiracy practicum it came out of their own mouths it came out of our leaders mouths almost as soon as covid dropped you had pierre uh pierre you had justin trudeau saying into the camera we must use COVID." COVID is a chance to reimagine economic systems. I'm like, reimagine economic systems. That's like your car breaking down in the middle of the desert and you just need to get it started again. But you're like, let's reimagine combustible engines. Let's build a Tesla factory out in the desert before just changing our tire with a spare. And really protocols of Zelenko and McCullough are just changing the tire, get the car moving again. But they just want to know, reimagine the whole car and destroy the existing car. But that car is racist and that car has parts in it that are bigoted and pro-nation state. It, it all links into what they want, which is mass immigration from other countries while we hate our native culture in our own countries. And, and just this mass of people, because the more people that come from disparate cultures, the more you need government interfering, the more you can't build a monoculture. I'm all for multi-ethnic, come from wherever you want. But if you go to Ireland, do as the Irish do, drink a Guinness, have fun with some friends at a pub, you know, and go to the horse races or whatever Irish stereotypes you guys like, you know, but be part of that culture and what the world economic forum and them ha have a dream of is a big parking lot of all civilization where they sit on the balcony as 
the elites and they monitor our behavior through digital passport systems of which this virus was just the beachhead to get into our minds for. And we're still fighting for that beachhead in people's brains to not let the world economic fully in, to just say, we want our nations back. We want our culture back. We want the old normal, not the new normal. So all of us are doing that in different ways. My way is this, you know, fast paced, I'll hit you with facts and I'll follow around the freedom convoy and support the good causes. But your way of talking to people with less, you know, rabbit holes is probably way more effective. Well, yeah, having a clue. But um, so if I was to, I, I was looking around the world and I have to say, I looked at Canada and I looked at the likes of Australia and I looked at my own country. And I, I, in a way I looked at, uh, I hated Trudeau just from a pure, I'd seen when I worked in the business world, I'd seen these types. I know how they carry on and their ability to deflect, to never answer, to appear. Like it is the typical wolf in sheep's clothing. They're never saying anything. But I looked at both Canada and my own country and I kind of went, what the fuck is wrong with this, with our countries? Why are we so, is it? Because I know Canada is kind of nicey-nice. You know, this is from the outside, nicey-nice. And in Ireland, I think we're kind of meek, whether it's to do with being broken down by the church and then it was ruled before by the English. We're kind of used to being ruled, but that's just, you know, I just, there there wasn't the vibrancy. In Ireland, it's almost like, that's, you know, don't want the neighbours to think we're, we're losing the plot there, you know. And uh, and I looked at Canada, Canada and I was kind of fucking going, what the fuck is wrong with this wild country with this beautiful wild scenery where lads go off into the mountains? You know, this image that I have and, uh, and Ireland and I kind of just thought, well, Ireland's never going to do anything. And you had the likes of the English, they were getting out and shouting. You had the French shouting every weekend, even though it was not covered uh, you know, there wasn't too much coverage. And then you had the likes of Germany and Austria being fucking typically Germany and Austria. Like, can they not just once stand up for the people? Why are they so predictable, right? But, and then Australia just became, and New Zealand, and you were looking at, and I was kind of going, they're just controlling. What the, why are they? And blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly, out of the darkness and the quiet, a horn sounded. And fucking hell. Wherever you were in the world, if you were on this side of looking for an alternative view and for people to kind of go, can we just stop? Can we just take, you know, let's look at everything and see what's worked and what hasn't and maybe change things. And, you know, that horn sounded and it came from Canada. I I was just over the moon. Like I really looked at it. And so, but I've no idea how it began. I've no idea. I'm dying to hear you. You obviously, your voice must have got out there more and more, this frustrated voice that wasn't being heard by the friends. How did that kind of, and work, you know what I mean? How did mm. that come together? Um, it, it came together as I just would rant into my Twitter feed about all the things that don't make sense to me and how I've got a very simple worldview where if something doesn't add up about your behavior, I'm kind of suspicious of it. And we've had these great figures like Chris Sky, and we've got a lesser version named Pat King. And these guys are just patriots and people are looking for leaders and they follow these guys, but they're somewhat flawed individuals. 
And they gathered around this trucker protest and made me get my backup and my radar up a bit going, oh, no, you're doing this. This B.J. Dichter guy, he was a, a candidate for the, the party that I like, which is a populist party, which we were trying to replace the, the two party system in Canada where you elect the liberals and you elect conservatives and you do this. And we just keep going back and forth. But both of them do the same thing. And so I've noticed that these um, influencers start sounding like. It would be the equivalent to if you're pro most people that are patriots in, in America are pro Trump. But let's say you get a few of these patriots who are pro Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush. It just wouldn't make sense. You're like, wait, we know that's the old establishment. We know that's just the flip side of Hillary Clinton. So those, these patriot influencers weren't making sense to me because they didn't want a populist option for Canada. So I had my radar up about the leaders that were surrounding the trucker convoy. But I loved the idea of the trucker convoy same way as you did. Finally, some people in real life are getting together saying, no, we're heading there. We're not going to settle. Just sit back as you keep dropping mandates to steal our freedom. So the truck I loved, but the leadership I was suspect of. And then I saw that they were generating a lot of money on their GoFundMe and the person in charge of it, I had no trust for. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my, I think it was 6,000 followers at the time. I think I'm at maybe 22,000. I'm banned for a week from Facebook though. So they can go to hell. I'm, I'm on Getter now with like a minimum school following, but at least I'm not going to be censored. So I like that better. But mm -hmm. uh, so I have these 6,000 followers and I'm like, guys, I'm going to head out there. If, if anyone uh, wants to to follow me and follow what I'm going to do. I'm just going to report on this. Okay. And so, 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 but how did it come about? Do you like the actual or the movement to start this trucker convoy? Did some, I know oh. there was a leadership dudes, but yeah, always the leaders. Once a leader gets involved, really, for the most part, they just become something else. They're they rare. Be, yeah. Yeah. They, they rare. can be good, but most of them are just, you know, They've been That's groomed something. in the wings or they're, you know, had their ego manipulated or there's many ways to compromise someone. I mean, they can have a need for money. They can have a need to get out of legal trouble or they can just have a massive ego that can be manipulated. But I think the trucker convoy started out as an organic movement, mainly in Alberta, which are the head, our top political um, attitudes towards freedom reside out in Alberta. Okay. And so that's like our Texas, it's our oil patch and it's people that just want to be left alone and they're kind of upset. They want to exit Canada actually. Okay. Um, so, so those were the, the seeds of this trucker protest. And then in BC too, on the far West coast and started building. And then I think Tamara jumped into it and this guy, BJ Dichter and this guy, Chris Barber, they were kind of the, I think Dichter came later, but Tamara and Chris Barber were early on. And that's part of, and I have no alarm bells about them. I know nothing about them. And then the trucker convoy starts moving. Then I see this BJ Dichter. Then I see how he's talking and how he's gaining money for them. And, and that's what put me in, in, in my mode of going with it. But I just loved it. And, and I did believe this could be a marginalization operation started by Trudeau because Trudeau works with the conservatives to do stuff. So Trudeau's a liberal. He'll work with the conservatives. Conservatives pay our influencers and lead us to slaughter sometimes. So that mm. that stuff has happened. Right. And, and so they sabotage movements. And what started out as probably a move for Trudeau to marginalize a segment of Canadians to justify draconian orders, because he needs a new enemy. If COVID's not going to be the enemy, he needs a new enemy. So mm. he would have thought, you know what, this trucker thing works out for me. But I think he underestimated the level of support, because once they got it was always about percentages of people who got vaccinated. And once he reached 90 percent of Canada, roughly, and that's them counting. So I don't even believe it. But once he reached 90 percent, he thought he had his magic target, which which is, you know, turn the, the 
peasants of Russia on the kulaks. And, and just that's what communists do. They turn people against people, people against each other. So once he reached that, he thought, and he was talking in the election in 2021 about it, about why do we tolerate these people that resist vaccines? They're usually racist. They're usually misogynist. He was doing very Hitler talk about this segment that was refusing his vaccine. So I think he did the math that the trucker convoy represents a mascot that he can use his 90% of Canada to demonize and legislate the extermination of this people and freezing of their accounts and political opinions and anything that resembles it to squash any future resistance to the tyranny that's being installed by the WEF. And the truckers were working for him until he saw the overpasses, until he saw the millions and millions of people that were supporting it. And he did, he was, maybe he was told, maybe he's just surrounded by yes people, but maybe Trudeau was told like, hey, of these people that got their two jabs, they thought this was over after two. They're not necessarily on board with infinite jabs for you, bro. So, so we're more like a 30% segment of Canada, and he thought it was a 10% segment. And so that's why I was excited. No matter, I, I sent a video before I left. The night before I left, I said, this might be a trap, but you know, like Return of the Jedi, we can reverse this trap because he's <laughs> underestimating us, right? He's yeah. underestimating the Rebel Alliance. And, and so that's what got me on board with going to this trucker uh, convoy. I joined up with them. I, I drove out with a Toronto convoy. There were like eight big convoys all headed for Ottawa and to arrive on a Friday. I, and so, so, sorry, so they were coming yeah, yeah. from all over. I have a couple of questions there. So I'm going to, yep. because um, I might talk to you about your own work and what happened there. I think I heard you mentioning something about that. So I might uh, just bring it back to the, to your own life for a moment. But if, if, uh, I'm going to take up a map just for most people who wouldn't have a clue of Canada, right? Is that a map of Canada? Is that a good map? Is there enough? Yeah, that'll do. You're cutting off uh, 90% of our population is below that image. <laughs> I was wondering. But yeah. God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good though. Oh, Jesus. Right. Uh, this is interactive now. We're going real high. This is That's great. the same this one again. Great. God. Map yeah. room. Okay, we're in the map room. <laughs> yeah, we're really so, in the map room. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what I kind of want to get a sense of how this does it must if they came eight different co convoys, did they come from around? This is where we, we need you to get a big drawing here. So what <laughs> I'm going to do, we're going to use extreme uh, zoom. I'm going to request remote control. Yeah, bring and it on. I'll yeah. be the cursor. Maybe yeah. I can be the cursor. OK, so well, you accept that. Would like to control. What's the zoom? Doing? Just hit OK. Yeah, I have done. And then it's okay. open so system. Yeah, let me see. Okay. Now you're going to have to get into editing, and we edit out this whole troubleshooting part we're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll just do it by uh, audio then, and you. Do can you know what? You know what? You can share the screen. How's that? Is that a better way to do it? Uh. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. This is all right. Okay. Let me stop my share and give you share. All right. So let me bring it up. Map of Canada. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, and now I'll come back into Zoom. You'll be in the editing bay, getting rid of all this stuff, maybe, or just yeah. keep it in. Who knew? <laughs> Who knows? Okay, yeah. I'll share the map of Canada. There we go. Is this what you're looking at? You see my little uh, yeah, that's beautiful magnifying yeah, yeah. glass here. Yeah. Okay. Know. Yeah. So here's where the most of our patriots are in Canada: is this Calgary to Edmonton. Uh, this is our golden line of patriotism out in BC. We have some patriots too, who are really love their freedom. They're like the hardcore liberals who are like, I don't feel very liberated when you control every aspect of my life. And then yeah. here's a bunch of mountains. So these guys started their convoy <laughs> and it's cruising over this way. 
And while it's cruising, the rest of us are getting excited seeing all these overpasses because almost no one lives here in Sas Saskatchewan. But yeah. every overpass was just littered with people. And almost no one lives in Manitoba. Almost no one lives in most of this part of Ontario. It's really Sudbury and South that is all the population of Canada. And right here is all of our population right here. Okay. Uh, so this is rolling out. We're all getting excited down in Toronto where uh, I where am. You're in Toronto. Okay, I'm in right Toronto here. here. And uh, so we're getting excited about it. There's new convoys. I'm going to come out of Winnipeg. So now we've got probably three convoys all heading in separately. What's due a convoy? To arrive... How many is in the convoy? Is well, that, is I that... heard like 500 vehicles were in the West Coast convoy. That's a mix of what they call four wheelers, which are just pickup trucks and vans. And then yeah. out of that, maybe you've got like 300 or 200, let's say, uh, big rigs. But then there's other smaller convoys that are heading from uh, from Winnipeg. And so we got one biggie coming down here and people are joining up along the way. But Woo. down in Toronto, there's one down here in Windsor. The, these guys got uh, a bad rap because they did their own little protest and they kind of only had about 100 people. So the police focused on this one because it had to do with a big uh, trade bridge. So they fixated on destroying this one first. And these are real good patriots that are down here in Windsor. And uh, yeah, I wish we could have supported them. I was almost tempted to drive down and be with this one because this is where all the heat was in about the end of week one of the okay. freedom convoy which would be a three-week span so as this is happening there's another convoy coming out of here st john's coming down and they're coming up pei had its own little convoy of like probably a hundred plus cars coming out of here at cars and trucks and then we had the you know nova scotia new brunswick were all doing their own convoy so about eight big convoys of at least 300 vehicles each right. uh, are converging on ottawa for a friday and, and that's basically, I think we're good with the map now. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Now, if you were into science and not political top doctor mountain science, where they come down with tablets and they say, we shall never acknowledge science that contributes to vaccine hesitancy. If you're familiar with science that refines itself and it's open to criticism, there is no criticism involved in vaccine certainty psychosis. So they won't listen to any good doctors. All the good doctors are here. They're speaking out. They're being patriots. They're recommending treatments. Those treatments that were banned by Top Doctor Mountain because they're bought by pharma. It's all a big trick. And are you going to fall for it again in March when the next line of vaccines come along and they interfere in your life? The beachhead has been formed. Are we going to push them into the sea and say, no, we don't want your digital ID. We don't trust you. What's happening in America? You want a good cause over there? How about one of your demands when you park trucks at D.C. is we're not leaving until you get Fauci investigated. The people who caused this are in charge of the solutions? No way! At that moment in time, before we, we enter Ottawa, at that moment in time in your uh, life, work-wise, what was going on? Oh, nothing. I it had been July 31st when I lost my job due to not getting a vax. And I liked my bosses. I could have dug my heels in and said, I'm going to get all these employment lawyers. I'm going to get all this. But I had really nice bosses that were bewitched by the PSYOP. And so I was just looking at things as, hey, maybe there'll be a great brain drain. We'll all be so smart that we won't mass enter this experiment. And they'll say, hey, all of our best people have left. So maybe we oppose the vax passport. That never happened. Um, basically, our government's paid everything to stay closed, and they incentivize restaurants to stay closed. So you had no choice. Sorry, it was either I, I, keep, yeah. your, keep your job, get faxed, or exactly, yeah, yeah. I told, I sent them a letter in in July that said make plans because I don't like leaving them hanging. I hate leaving a project where it's like you screw them over, and it's the night before, and no one's been set on my project. So I said, as of July thirty first, 
uh, please find another alternative for me because I know you guys are going towards the vaccines. I know that it's been happening here and like 80% of us are already vaccinated. And the day after I left, they sent out the, by the end of August, everyone's vaxxed or don't work here. So I could have had another month if I really stretched it out. But okay. I was also worried about my kids and my wife was going back to work. I didn't know that they'd be mandating it for nurses at this time. And she's a nurse. So I thought if this is a time where they're exploring ways of getting our kids to be vaccinated without our consent. And I've kind of felt like I've been, you know, I need to be a little more present at home. And, you know, I've got three crazy boys that we're very liberal parents. We don't sleep to train them. We, they're running wild. So I'm like, maybe this is a good time for me to be around my kids, right? Yeah. Like they have great, they have my in-laws live with us for half the year. They, my wife is amazing with them. But you feel like they may, might need that fatherly figure. Yeah, and you want to protect I, I, them. I know I've got you know, two boys. I have a 16 to 15 year old. I know. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I have these these boys at home that I want to be around. My wife's going back to work, getting off of her mat leave. So I said, maybe we can just, you know, this I call it the chaos flux period where everything's in chaos. Don't make long term plans. Something big's going to happen. Maybe I'll just work at Burger King in the interim at nights or something. And then I went home and, and was basically doing rants and doing like a a youtube show that got almost no views because if as soon as youtube gives me a strike i'm like okay youtube's done we'll go to rumble but you go to rumble and there's almost no viewers or whatever but yeah, you just yeah. make a good show that's like it's all you can do right you just make a good product and then maybe people will tune in maybe they won't but that's yeah, what i was it, up to but so a stay-at-home dad yeah, yeah it's very important to note that though so that was a build of pressure over 12 months coming right to the point of either you i mean what the hell's wrong with you why wouldn't you take this wonderful solution to suddenly being of the view, uh, no, sorry, no, I'm not going to take it. But, uh, you know, that is, I suppose it's just important to note in this discussion, that is a huge build up to the point where you're just going, no. You know, yeah. a, a lot of, uh, well, let's say, certain types of people might have said no for a while and then suddenly they realized that because there was this wonderfully orchestrated um, exclusion to the point of people in a way Wanted, we're going to take the vaccine to get their lives back almost. You know, that was the kind of deal. You can have your life back if you do this. And I think that's what drove a lot of people who probably wouldn't have taken it, but they felt. And then obviously in some countries it was worse, like Canada, where was, the mandating was, like in Ireland, they didn't even need to mandate. 90% mm -hmm. of people, they didn't even need to mandate. But the, the, the pressure, the, it's a small, I won't even go there, but it just... Everybody got it, more or less. And it was not up for debate. It's like religion and politics. There's no discussion point on it. So I suppose I just wanted to kind of mark the fact, you know, to you knew this was coming, whether you didn't maybe didn't get the gun to the head, but you knew it was coming and it was just you, you were going to make this stand. And I think it's a wonderful thing to have done. You know, that's livelihood. That's good salary coming in and blah, blah, blah. So, so then that's July, summer of 2021 and shit's building and then we get all the way um and the rhetoric you know around the world to the point of <laughs> you know the white house sending out christmas cards and except the christmas card to the unvaccinated was you're gonna die you horrible individuals essentially that's what it said on their website so yeah let's we've eight convoys of i think mm -hmm. you said eight convoys and and you and you were coming from Toronto and you were in your car. You said, I'm just going to jump. Take me from there. Yeah. Yeah. It was my first moment of hope of a chance to be on our toes and not on our heels. 
And, and I was sick of that energy of just waiting for people's minds to change and, and being continually depressed by the facts that their minds weren't changing. Mm. And, and then when you see the truckers, it's like, I don't care if this is some sort of plan to marginalize us. I'd rather be with the Patriots. And, and if I have question marks about the leadership of this, that's more reason for me to be around calling it out as it happens. And if I think it's going to be descended on with saboteurs and bird doggers, which are paid provocateurs who come in in conjunction with the news media to throw up a Nazi flag and tarnish the whole movement and then quickly run away, but they were never really part of our protest, that I wanted to be around to call that out in live time for. So, so I started out from Toronto and basically I, I asked the Twitter fam, I said, guys, do you want me to go on ahead on Thursday night before the convoy arrives or stay with them in Kingston, the halfway point between Toronto and Ottawa for this Toronto convoy that I was following? And the Toronto convoy was massive. We stayed in Kingston for the night at this big old truck stop. Everyone was just staying out on the road, welcoming all the trucks in. It was the, the most I can convey is that the temperatures were the most unbearable cold temperatures I could ever imagine even as a Canadian, uh, we're used to it, but this was unbelievable cold and everyone stayed out throughout it because they didn't want someone not to be greeting the truckers as they get off that off ramp to camp Kingston for the night. So there was always dozens of people on the corner at the gas station. And, and the most touching moments were not the ones that were covered in, in people for the convoy when we made our way to Ottawa and I was driving in with the, co with the convoy was the ones that it was like, just a lonely guy on a bridge who didn't get together with the Facebook group. It wasn't about, you know, you know, showing your support in a group. He just did it alone. And I kind of resonate uh, with that loner aspect yeah, of yeah, do the right yeah. thing. Cause it's the right thing. And you just hearing all the trucks beep to this one guy with one flag on an overpass was just like one of the most touching things about it was seeing acts of patriotism. That isn't for like the big Facebook photo, which was amazing. That was the most important PR thing for us is seeing, you know, these overpasses decked out with people, but just seeing out in the middle of nowhere, someone that just wants to you know show them personally just for me i mean i don't have my camera out to make sure it's documented i just want to give a salute to the truckers so it was a magical point of of building a culture because i'm a big andrew breitbart fan who said politics is downstream from culture so what we're doing is we're reversing this culture that is stay in your house trust the government from everything think minimally thought will lead to hatred and we've told you we use communist sources uh, to describe to you what hatred is and you probably hear about white nationalism and all these things constantly in this bombardment the mass formation psychosis is not just over vaccines. It's overvaluing valuing yourself as a human and as a country. It's been happening for decades. And it's just taught people to think that white nationalism is the new domestic threat. It's like, that's not at all. That's just the cultural Marxism replacing what old boring communism was worker versus bourgeoisie. They've replaced it with races and classes and whether you're straight or whether you're gay. If you're gay, you've got more privilege in reality than someone who's a straight white man who's at the top of this pyre to be burned for all of uh, civilization to move forward into this new WEF world. So what this convoy represented to me was getting back to self-reliance. We're all just, we're not relying on anyone. We don't need your money. We've got people donating food. We're organizing it. We're doing our own trash. We're totally self-contained bubble created over Ottawa where there was no crime. We regulated each other. The only thing I would worry about was the weekends when people who were watching the PSYOP at home, which was why I got a big following was because there were so many false stories and I would just turn my camera on and they're saying they're running the blockades at Albert Nelgan. And I just jogged down there, which was nice because my feet were always frozen. So if you had to get me to run somewhere, I'd get to warm up. And so I'd go to Elgin and you got about 10 minutes where your phone will work before it's too cold and your phone just shuts off. So anyone else ever doing a big protest or revolution again, at least you're not going to be in Ottawa in February weather. So I go up and I go to Elgin and, and um, 
in Albert. And I'm like, guys, here I am. Here's six cops. Hey, officers, has anything happened here tonight? No. And that's literally how easy it was to broadcast truth to people, which is what, you know, made my footprint get a little bigger. That and adding on a bit of commentary. And that comes to the Alex Jones part of it, where I want to be a little entertaining. I want to add a little commentary to this because anyone could just film stuff and give you footage. I'm trying to remind people of the relevance of it because not just the psyop of showing that we're Nazis and we're annoying the people. We're keeping all the babies up in Ottawa who no baby lives in the downtown core of Ottawa. There's no residential area down where we were. So that was all a big figment of people's imagination. I want to keep reminding them of why we're there while I'm showing them this. So it was a lot of talk about vaccines. Why are they forcing you into this? Why are you not curious about your failed trial? Why do you not have enough evidence to even keep doing it yourself, yet you're still willing to go along with it being mandated for all of us? I wanted to convey that narrative while filming the events that were disproving what they were seeing in their PSYOP. So I encourage anyone, if it comes to Dublin, you to get out there with your cell phone and just ask people, just go, what are the wild geese I'm chasing today, guys? What have you heard on the news? And I'll go film it and show you that it's not what it's cracked up to be. And, and just that was my general purpose of being in Ottawa. And then from there, there were many little side stories. I'd love to, you know, write a book one day if I could keep my, you know, attention that long on something to just describe <laughs> all the stuff that was going on in the side in the background of all this, like living in my car in the underground was a very, it was bizarre because I would have all this stuff with the internet in my face. And I'm like, give me wild geese. I'll chase them. Cause it'll put your, you know, minds at ease. But then I'd get to this underground where there's no cell signal. And every morning I'd wake up going, did like a nuclear bomb go off upstairs? And, you know, and, and just worrying, is this like, have I pissed off too many people? Is there going to be like smashed windows on my van one night when I go down? All this stuff races through your head to the point where in week one, I couldn't sleep. There were so many events happening. I wasn't miserable. I wasn't depressed. It was just so many events happened to you that you're processing that you just can't sleep. And I encountered that with a lot of the people that were running diesel to the trucks. A lot of these younger kids, there was a kid named Dustin from Kitchener, who I kept seeing around the lobby because that would be my only place to like be warm and tweet stuff out and say I'm about to head out so I'd be in the hotel lobbies a lot and this kid would be in there too to warm up and I, I talked to him one night and I could just see in his eyes something was up and this kid had sleep deprivation because he was so worried about all the logistics of you know if I take a day off they won't know that that truck on Elgin is running it's at 20% diesel and I did the run back but they're out of jerry cans and half the jerry cans over here were spiked with sugar and so these kids are putting so much on themselves and, and he's talking about his grandfather being in the war and how he wants to do like that. I'm like, your grandfather had a superior officer that would tell him to get off the front lines and go have a rest once in a while. You yeah. don't have that. You're your own superior officer. Therefore, you need some leadership, which was non-existent. These guys were all just the truckers are the most impressive people I've ever met in my life. They were provoked nonstop by a hysterical Ottawa populace who the mayor is a lame duck mayor who um Trudeau was going to offer a federal position once he's done his term. So he's doing everything Trudeau wants to demonize us on no information at all. The police chief was a psychopath lying about us. We had a beautiful relationship with all the police officers. They had to bring in officers from out of town for the big crackdown who were just watching the Matrix news, who had these big alphas talking about how it's going to be nice to you know, get rid of the rubble in, in Ottawa and, and take out all the trash. So we had this great thing going on. And it was a total psyop to anyone that was outside this bubble. But we did have a lot of patriots who were not resting. And I had to go around and be like, guys, please take a break. Do you want me to pull your sled of diesel? They wouldn't let you touch it. You tried to help these guys out bringing diesel. They're like, no, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And, uh -huh. and it was really authentic human beings. So, so, the, so how, obviously there was the initial, uh, let's say buzz, it's a terrible word, but the initial high of having really that this you've landed and you've invaded 
and um, uh, invaded again is a terrible word, but well, you've landed, let's just say, and you're set up the trucks and you're, there's a huge togetherness there that you've all arrived together. Um, how, you know, it, uh, you would have got the likes of uh, Jordan Peterson um, uh, chiming in. I think, you know, it was a good few people and the attention was brought with the attention in the mainstream media was minimal, nothing, but um, still Twitter was alive, you know, let's Twitter, you know, was alive with, with the convoy and there was huge positivity. What was your sense then? Could you feel, was there a feeling of waning? It was a feeling like that, that, that they're coming in here. They're not, you know, or what was your sense of it as as time went on, as if you were to stand back from and kind of look, you know, and describe the sentiment really? Uh, in the early going, there was a sentiment of pure joy and elation and the fact that we were working with police officers. So they weren't going to use the excuse like the horns were fun. They were never going on very late night. I mean, that one night where I did my my tweet where where the horns are in the background, I had intended to go out and show people how quiet it was at night because I, you know, I was sleeping in underground, but I would come up at like one and two in the morning because I heard Antifa was attacking the trucks in the middle of the night. So I'd come in the middle of the night. There were not horns going. And when I went out and did my, my tweet at 11 o'clock, there was one guy on his horn out of 500 trucks in the downtown core. Um, and, and I was really in no place to tell him to stop it because these people have had everything taken from them. Uh, but the general vibe was week one, total elation. Week two, elation. But towards the end of it, it was getting towards starting to see the leadership who to this point had just taken outsiders money and, and let it get seized, not let it get seized, but they didn't have to keep creating these large middlemen points where the money could be frozen. I was there to just go up to truckers cabs and go, cause I didn't trust the people in charge. I would say, Hey, uh, we don't necessarily, and I wouldn't even get into it with them. I don't want them to hate their leadership. Right. Yeah. But I would say, look, I'm with some people that just want to go direct to source and they want to donate to you. Do you have anyone you would recommend, a trucker captain that handles getting your diesel or anything? And they're all like, oh, no, no, I am French, French convoy. They, I haven't driven that far. Please go to the West Coast. Con they all wanted help to go in other places. Oh. So they didn't want the help, most of them. But when I would find guys that were kind of the trucker captains that were getting diesel, because like I mentioned, uh, Facebook was filled with Antifa people doing tricks like dress like the truckers, go down, offer them diesel uh, in the jerry can but it's laced with sugar and water and to ruin their engines right so they wanted to get it themselves they had pickup trucks with these things called slip tanks that they'd fill up the pickup trucks and fill up their block so i i would go around to all these blocks and find these people that they could email to and just cut out the middleman there's no need for us to be saying we're in charge of a 10 billion dollar fund you know it's nice to get the pr win of how many people support it but it put all people's money in one spot and then incentivize our enemy to just freeze all money uh so I, I, I was starting to have my, my doubts about the trucker leadership at the end of the second week when they, because I think of it in terms of Sun Tzu, we have the army, the army is Canada and the truckers, the 30% who want out of this failed experiment. We have no motivation to create any kind of crime. Why would we want to do that? I mean, the, the government would want to uh, make us look like we were doing that and use their media assets. So they have the means in Sun Tzu to brainwash people through the news. That's their advantage. We have generals though. And how good is your general? Our generals were not good, but we didn't have advanced tactics to use. You're not doing a feint on one side and then hit here. It was simply go to Ottawa and exist without breaking the law. 
right? Mm -hmm. That was all our mission yeah. statement to the troops was. So we didn't need generals. So I was laying off of them. I knew that I was littered with, oh, you're just a divider. You're just trying to get people, you know, you're trying to bring the movement down and split us up. So I left them alone for almost two weeks until I found out that, um, and I was listening to the press conferences and, and they weren't addressing the money issues and millions of dollars. You should feel a little bit of onus to address people about that. So I was starting to feel concerned about the leadership, but keeping it to myself, but everything was going ticket boo with the police and the truckers which was my main focus i would say hi to every police officer i saw to just gauge the reaction back it really taught you how to be social living with the truckers and the protests it's like the the uh, antithesis of sitting at home where you're on the internet and they groom your audience to be just like you so you'll never have to have a social interaction with someone that's different from you you know what i mean yeah it yeah. weakens you the internet weakens you by pairing you up with people exactly like you it makes mm -hmm. you kind of semi-autistic when you have to deal with dynamic social circumstances in real life where the trucker convoy was the opposite you had to deal with many different types of people you had to look them in the eye and say hi to them which is a social power move which was i tell people it's like there's different levels. I know I'm digressing a bit here, but there's no, no, different levels to, to the PSYOP. And it's all based on they want you despair ridden and sitting in your basement waiting for the nothing to take you. And that's based on despair. So how do you combat that? You level up. What's the best you can do? If you're sitting in your basement getting drunk and doing drugs, that's your level up. Stop doing that. Once you're not doing that and you're exercising, you did like a few push-ups, you walked around your block, go out and look people in the eye and say hi to them. I don't get stopped for my not wearing a mask in most places because I look at everyone in the eye and I say, hey, how you doing? It's almost impossible to follow a hey, how you doing with a could you put your mask on? You know what I mean? So it will happen. Eventually, I get 80 percent through my trip in Walmart and someone from loss prevention will come up to me and ask me, but I'll get as far as I can. And but just being nice and spreading that power move of looking someone in the eye and saying hi, even if they nod at you, they're not ready. They haven't leveled up yet. But you're pursuing this level up strategy that is against what the despair operation is designed to do, which is make you despair ridden and stay in your house. Learn about pod living. We'll bring everything to you. Food will be delivered to you. Never leave. Never have interaction. Just rely on your TV and your telescreen and or wells 1984 to give your two minutes of hate against patriotism and white straight guys so that what the trucker movement did was teach everyone how to look everyone in the eye and you'd know because you know antifa was dressing like us and, and trying to sabotage it so you had that little bit of you know we're in the heart of a city and cities are littered with these hardcore che Guevara loving communist anarchists who are against everything colonizer right they can't pretend to like you so you'd see them dressed like you and then they wouldn't they'd give you like this like, well, you're giving them the obvious nice. Hey, yeah, Patriot, I, how you doing? I, I'm just thinking maybe you should say what Antifa is for people. Yeah, they call themselves anti-fascists because they feel that anyone that's patriotic is a Nazi fascist that wants okay. us to return to a colonizing world that just robbed the Indians of their right to, you know, create electric cars if we didn't arrive. And, and it's all this self-hatred there. They're given, it's ideological teaching in schools, and I'm sure the universities in Ireland have it too, where they're, you know, a friendly view of communism and, and socialism and an unhealthy view of capitalism illuminates the minds of these people and they, they're against hatred. And who determines hatred? What your news does is people that like borders, people that want less immigration, like this, the militant end point of that is this group called Antifa who dress in black and they 
wear black masks. Okay. But uh, but they dressed like truckers for this event to sabotage the truckers. And they had to do patrols all night because at three in the morning, there'd be a bunch of them that hop off a subway. They have backpacks. That was usually the telltale sign. And they would spray paint dicks on trucks and spray paint swastikas and cut cables on the back of the trucks and then just run away and run into the subway system, knowing the truckers aren't going to follow them that far. Uh, There's all kinds of weird stuff where the city was working almost with them. They would remove intersection cameras and, and closed circuit television in areas where the trucks were like they'd have a fire truck, uh, fire truck come in, take that down. And we're like, why are you taking that down? And there was one person that got caught red handed, just a woman who I call them Antifa, but they're just a large umbrella group of people who were hystericalized by the mayor calling us occupiers when we totally weren't. So this woman's walking with her dog, slashing tires as she goes. She slashed through eight tires. And a guy that was monitoring the, the convoy patrolling for the night came and reported her to police officers. And the police officer was going to charge her with slashing one tire. And he's like, no, 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 she did eight. And he's like, no, she didn't. She did one. He's like, please come with me. And he made the police officer walk and show eight cars that two on each side, the side with the sidewalk. She didn't walk around to the street side, but she jabbed eight cars tires on her walk with her dog. Right. And, and he was going to just do one. So there was all kinds of minimizing the effects of crime against us and then using those crime statistics when they were caught to make it look like the truckers were committing crimes. They're like, no, 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 those are crimes against us by the hystericalized citizenry of yeah. this mass media effect of demonizing truckers. It was basically a Canada Day uh, party every day of people just celebrating, wearing Canadian flags, behaving themselves. And, and it really got misrepresented to the point of insanity, which is why I say it's important for everyone to just film and see the footage yourself. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it did uh, the, enough scenes. Yeah. I, I think your voice is really important because of the kind of authenticity of it. You know, it was obvious how you're talking. It was the kind of it was a certain energy to how you spoke and your view on it. And there was, uh, uh, whilst you didn't speak about the leadership too much, I got the sense I, I didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't so clear from the outside but there was a healthy, let's say, just a skepticism about the leadership, which is healthy, which is how mm -hmm. we all operate. If you think about, forget the truckers and everything, be healthily skeptical about a leader. Yes, yep. nice, great, let's move yep. on then. Um, but then on the other side, also you got the sense of uh, the kind of simplicity of, Simplicity is a kind of a weird word, but just the ordinary, natural, you know, of the truckers, you see them in some cafes, they're just sitting, having a, a breakfast, and like the, uh, like the trucker by nature, is, it's a lonely job, let's just say, it's, it's, it's this kind of on the road, it's an independent, a lot of time with your radio and your mind, and and then for them, you know, it's probably, I'm imagining, but, the, you know, it's not, they're, they're not, this is, they may not be the most sociable and yet to go and do something like that to leave their homes their families what is safe for them to come to a place like that and then to be misrepresented evidently misrepresented because you know the overwhelming scenes that you could see were of positivity i mean you obviously because it would have been so easy to show bad shit but the really the overwhelming amount of clips were of ordinary human beings coming together in a like I went on to look at the temperature and it was you know minus 16 I wasn't even looking at the wind chill factor you know what I mean but I, mm -hmm. I've been in Canada I know what it's like when it's cold and um and then to be out in the streets like that you know uh, it, I think for 
like I, I have a couple of Canadian friends here and there, you know, they had been kind of just so frustrated by what was happening in Canada. And then suddenly to see this happening, they were kind of just blown away, really excited. And most everyone was, you know, everybody was taken by this ordinary swell of, you know, people and uh, to make such a stand, to cause such disruption by simply, you know, driving their vehicles into a city. But it, the, this leadership, you know, didn't bend to, you know, this, this leadership of Trudeau and then the mayor and then bringing in, it was, it, it was dystopian seeing the manner in which these troops arrived into the city, the emergencies act, you know, all this, these voices, then these political voices, there was the new conservative leader and okay, she spoke out, but all the same, some of them would speak out and then they'd have to condemn though, at the same time, I'm, you know, and there was, it seemed then the juggernaut was wrapping its, from the outside, it seemed like the hands of this juggernaut, this machine was, was starting to squeeze the truckers and maybe some of them were leaving, not saying, because there was probably a lot of independence, but people were just, you know, these singular guys just going, I'm going now, I can see this is not going the way I want it. I don't know, I, that's from my outside view. What was your sense on the inside then in the final week? Yeah, the final week, it was, as you're saying, they started initiating emergency orders at a provincial level, at a federal level, and they were freezing assets of drivers and not just that, their companies. So there were guys that their, their boss was really excited to have the young kid take the truck out and represent for his company because he's a patriot. But then he's like, got to consider, you know, I employ 80 people and they're about to not get paid. You've got to take your truck out. So there were truckers that left, like 30% of them probably left in the final week, uh, just through the threat and freezing of assets and threat of your truck won't be insured, we're going to freeze your plates and you won't be able to run a business anymore. So a lot of the businesses that had lent their trucks to the cause pulled out uh, and it left us with, you know, the cream of the crop of them that were just willing to risk it all. And, and so that was a special moment, but we always felt in the back of our heads, this is kind of a martyrdom operation where you know that the government's going to have to crack down on you. And it's going to be our job to show the people of Canada what happens when you just obey laws and want to protest freely for freedom from a failed experiment. It's like, this is how far they're willing to go to simply not give us the choice to opt out of a mandatory yet failed experiment. You know, this is, it, it was our job. And I was totally every day in the last like four days, I was like, okay, it's today the day they break in and we all get peacefully arrested. Okay, fine. I'll stand with the truckers when they do this, when this happens. But uh, the days never came and it started to appear that, uh, that it was just 99% of the stories we were hearing were designed to be despair operations to encourage no one else to come down to Ottawa. Okay. So, so they declared that Ottawa was an emergency zone near the final three days of it, and no one could come down to the interior. They had checkpoints set up to not let you get down into the Ottawa core. So I just started asking my audience, I'm like, well, then this will become a protest outside that ring. So come down and don't leave those, don't go past the checkpoints. But of course they come down and they do pass the checkpoints. And, and I'm left with this thought of, okay, well, I got to go to the front lines for, for this push that's happening on the protesters with all these crackdown officers. And that's where the leadership, again, uh, of the trucker movement 
I didn't want to talk about them. I know people think in very simple terms that it's not, you know, I think of it in terms of Churchill. If you got a bad general running the operation in North Africa and Tobruk falls to, to Rommel, you replace the general, right? But, but everyone in our camp was like, no, 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 that's division. Don't do this. Let them do it. And I'm like, well, they're essentially working for Mayor Watson. So Mayor Watson is a lunatic. He's called us occupiers from the start. We shouldn't be dealing with him because our gripe is not with the mayor of Ottawa. It's with the leader of Canada making a federal mandate for all workers crossing the border. And, and for everyone to take this failed vaccine. So I said, first of all, it's not his business. We're doing whatever the police ask of us. We're leaving access lanes everywhere. Uh, we listened to a court injunction to stop blowing the horns and we did that. So we're, we're minding our P's and Q's. Why is our trucker leadership who's been totally absent giving like weekly press conferences when I called them out and asked them to come on a Twitter spaces with me, which is just like a big thing where you're not on video, but you're all on audio. And I asked anyone from the trucker leadership come and address this because I saw this letter come out from Mayor Watson that says, here's my demands to the truckers. And the demands were utterly insane. It was promise to never not encourage anyone else to come to Ottawa. Promise to move all your trucks from these residential zones down to Wellington, right? So just this really nice kettleable spot in front of parliament and promise that no more trucks will come into backfill. So just limit the entire movement entirely. And then some other crazy requests. And then if we do all this, we have the right to maybe talk to him in the future, who we never needed to talk to him in the first place. So it's an insane letter. And without talking to anyone, without a single press conference or gathering all the trucker captains, Tamara, the leader of the, I think she was just pushed in front of everyone by more devious people behind her to make her the fall girl for all this. She was, you know, signed the letter back to him saying, thank you so much for this. Like it's the art of the deal in one hand where you offer next to nothing and you're supposed to come back with the art of the deal saying, we're not even talking to you. That's like the response you're supposed to give to that. But she comes back with, oh, dear mayor, like he never used any of that language with us. Dear mayor, uh, we will uh, to sell the truckers on this idea. We're going to start moving the trucks today. We're going to mm. do all this stuff you're asking. It was signed by their trucker lawyer. So I start losing it. And I'm just ranting on Twitter. I'm going, I've stayed silent about these guys. And now they're staff for Mayor Watson. I'm like, tell me if this letter's real. And then the trucker leadership wouldn't address it. And I have like a thousand retweets of tagging Tamara going, tell me if this letter's real. And then this Pat King, who's another internet influencer, who's kind of on the periphery, he's not part of the trucker leadership, but they give like a broken telephone of Intel that leaks out through him. And he's like, guys, the letter that was passed around by the counter protesters is not real. I'm like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this actual Twitter PDF with a lawyer's name at the bottom of it. And the lawyer's uh, letterhead is this real or not? And then it took hours and I'm already in the space waiting for anyone from trucker leadership to answer the challenge, to just answer some basic questions about what the hell they're doing to this movement. And then they start tweeting, don't watch mainstream news. We haven't cut a deal with the mayor. And I'm like, I didn't ask if you cut a deal. I asked if this response to him is real. And after another hour, they said, Yes, the letter's real. And I said, good Lord. Well, what are you guys doing then? And, and then I had BJ Dichter join me and he layered himself. I call it compassion manipulation where you build yourself up as, oh, sorry, I can't be on long. My leg and these painkillers for my leg. And uh, guys, I've been so busy working for this convoy that I don't know which way is up right now because I've just been so busy working for you all. It mm -hmm. makes it almost impossible to criticize that figure without becoming, I'm a divisive splinter operation. You know, yeah, so I can't yeah. criticize him logically on stuff that I'm really pissed off about at the time because i'm like i'm fine with you guys being absentee generals that are not telling the troops to do stuff and we're just all sitting here obeying laws and working with the police but as soon as you group everyone into this little box and you're doing exactly as mayor watson wants and the only thing we get on the end of it is a promise to maybe talk to his game which he never did 
right? It was just, we did everything they wanted, walked right into it because we never questioned the leadership. At the, maybe it would have prolonged it for another couple of days. The truth is the sentiment in Canada, we weren't yet at the point where enough people were willing to uh, defy uh corrupt government dictates that made our country into full Orwellia. We weren't ready for it yet. And this was a building block to show people all we could achieve was showing them that a tyrant exists that will never let them be free again. And they will freeze your assets, just like commissars would come to your house in the twenties, Russia. They don't need commissars anymore. They just do a button on the internet. And now your life is worthless and all your accounts are frozen because you had a different political opinion from everyone else. So we did that. That was the goal that we showed. And in that, we have Tamara still in jail and, and this Pat King guy who was on the periphery of leadership. And I think that's the next thing I'm going to work on is go back to Ottawa, give people a view of what it looks like right now, what the camps are like, because that was another major chapter of this was once we were scattered out of Ottawa and all the truckers from the West Coast, people were like, what do we do now? What do we do now? And I'm like, well, I'm going to look to the West Coast convoy who came the farthest and, and have nothing out here. What are they doing? I'll go stay with them for a bit. And whatever they decide, if they want to go home, then I'll say, guys, this operation is you know, close down this protest. It doesn't have the legs. It does regroup, do something in the spring, who knows. But I went out to these camps and these truckers were just, it was under an emergency order where they had, it was basically war measures. They declared that this trucker convoy was an enemy of the state. That's the level they were going to where police can imprison you without trial for as long as they want. It's the same as, you know, locking up, detaining the Japanese in world war II. That's the level the government went to with a group of peaceful protesters that didn't even block streets like they were reporting to be. So that's the mischief that they accuse our leaders of counsel. You were counseling mischief. People, couldn't get to work these are all untrue things but the charge the punishment is the process so and I, I think i think i was just going to say i suppose maybe to name what it was all about in its very simplest is freedom like that really is what this is about it, it was absolutely about freedom from uh, freedom to have the choice to take a a drug and somehow, in all of this, that freedom is forgotten completely and utterly by nine out of 10, 9.5 out of 10 people. But actually, exactly. 9.9. So, like, that is at its core. So then you've got a small amount of people going, no, 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 no. You've taken everything from me and making a stand. And, and the, the stand is, was, a, was a tremendous stand like a tremendous stand and shows the potentiality of small in the scheme of things, amount of people to make, to make a very loud roar, which is, you know, I think would awaken the imagination of anybody who's ever thinking about um, resisting to, to be able to imagine that there is an alternative way and it comes from all sorts of places, but like at its very core. And I think that's what unites most of us all in this is, I don't really give a fuck what you do. I don't care what you say. Don't cause harm and don't tell me what to do. And you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, and, and like I remember back uh, having a podcast with this lady, Grace, and, and I was kind of saying like, you know, what's your too far? Mine's a fucking inch, you know? And you know, then the, that Jordan Peterson thing came out with Joe Rogan where they were talking about how it's done inch by inch by inch. But some of us, leave people alone and expect to be left alone and then when that is that kind of those hands come around our necks and into our lives suddenly our voices start you know going from meek to 
what the fuck are you doing? Back off, back off. And then it, it just became that. But at its simplest, these truckers want to go back to just doing, living life, having a beer and chatting with their friends. And that was taken from them. And they just wanted to be able to say, you take this if you want to take 10 vaccines, but don't ask me to take it and don't make me take it. And, you know, that's where the whole thing kind of, in a way, can get lost. We're, we're talking about a fundamental, you know, thing that was enshrined with this Nuremberg Code. And somehow that was dismissed and uh, it just became all so complicated and fucked up and messy. And the lies became a web of lies. And, you know, and it really at its core, then you have these people who go, no, sorry. And whether the leadership is there or not there. They're not looking for money. They're not looking for anything, you know, not they're just looking for their basic freedoms. And how far can you push people? Well, no, exactly. And, and it was a needed step. And you know what? The provinces started rolling back the mandates once we were there within week one of us being there. Of course, it's nothing to do with the truckers. We were always going to do this. But I still take solace in the fact that we did have a massive effect. No, we showed did, yeah. that the Wizard of Oz is just a guy working a big old machine that wants to take over your life. And he's not magical. And it's coming again in the winter. The next big variant that comes, will the people be ready? And I think the trucker convoy built up enough of a resistance to make people take note and at least process it. Maybe on their own go, why would they fill up Ottawa just to annoy people just to wake up the babies because that's what we were told in the news, or perhaps it's they just want to be free from a failed medical experiment and, and once they come to terms with that, and once they have no like they're still going online saying take a vaccine it's the best way to protect yourself. That is completely 180 against science it has negative efficacy for yeah, one disease. talk about free uh, talk about yeah. the medical experiment when I, when you say it. Because, you know, the vast majority of people kind of know they don't work, but they, you know, like the masks, but, you know, blah, 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 whatever sort of stupid language that is used to justify it. I, uh, yeah, I'm just going to put that question. Talk to me when you meet what you mean by a failed medical experiment. Well, it's a failed forced medical experiment that says we can't live our daily lives without injecting ourselves with something that went through two months of testing on a group of 40,000 people. And after two months, they killed the control group and said, hey, everyone join. This has 100% efficacy, which means that in the control group, two people died during that two month span. And in the vaccine group, one person died and they declared that 100% effective and they lost track of all the control group. And then they rolled this out onto all of humanity and then they hid side effects. It's coming out now. Now with the Pfizer documents that nine pages of small font side effects have occurred in people. And we knew it was happening. We knew people were dropping in the streets, which makes it a very ominous foreshadowing that the Chinese virus was people dropping dead in the streets. And now what do we see? We've already caught Fauci saying that, you know, uh, they, they misrepresent their treatments. So remdesivir is a very expensive treatment. That's the most deadly of four that were trialed. And they used this. And when they were killing people with kidney failure, they just made that a side effect of COVID itself. So there's so much conflict of interest to not tell the guinea pigs that they're in an experiment because it would involve the majority of doctors in Canada admitting that they've been poisoning people that we just trudge on with it. But it is failed in every capacity. It has negative efficacy against one disease while putting you on a roulette board for hundreds of other diseases now. 
So it, it, it destroys your immune system gets put on the back burner as your interview with Dr. Vandenbosch says. And, and the more you keep seeing these variants come back, the more damage it'll do until you get a vaccine resistant variant. So it's the absolute wrong track we're on and no one will listen to reason. We've got the doctors. We had a press conference in the trucker convoy where three top doctors, which would be Dr. Byron Bridal, Dr. Roger Hawkinson and Dr. Alexander Paul showed up on one side to say this is unsafe. And we invited the three top doctors, quote unquote, who are the government appointed bureaucrat doctors to come. Of course, they didn't show. So in the face of this, they just keep being told through their TVs that, yay, protect yourself and others keep getting our vaccine in the face of negative evidence for it. We're living in a mad world. And it's not incumbent on me to keep going in further detail. They need to address yeah. the fact that an 85% lowering, like they told us, you need to be locked down. Your kids need to commit suicide through isolation. Old people need to die really prematurely through lack of contact, lack of human contact, because our hospitals are filling up. When you make that statement while ignoring the 85% lowering of hospitalization and death that could have occurred had they employed treatments of Zelenko and McCullough, they could have just used the free treatments and they didn't. That's a genocide. That's that's high crimes there that they're guilty of through neglect, through neglecting a treatment sitting right in front of us. Safe, proven, effective treatment that's been used for decades on one side versus unsafe. You are the trial. We'll see the results in 2023. Until then, we're not showing you anything and we're doing our damnedest to hide the side effects. And it's unsafe and negative efficaciousness on this. So the, the if you're triple jabbed, you're more likely to get Omicron than unjabbed. So it's we're in this mad world where they're still mandating this horrible, horrible side. And because they've told people a simple reality for so long, the truth, they're just immune to hearing the truth. They can't, they can't see it. We're right in front of them. We're showing them the great doctors that you're interviewing, but it doesn't crack through. So what do we have? We have big moments of truckers saying, we're not going along with it. And that might trigger people's thoughts when they see these overpasses littered with people and going, wait, Canada flags associated with resisting the vaccine. I was told it was only racism and misogyny that are vaccine resistant people. Oh, black people resisting this? Sikh truck drivers? Oh, I was told that this was like a Hitler camp that was starting in Ottawa. So it's making people question, cracking through that layer of science that's been on them forever through this two years and asking them, do you want to be tortured your whole life? Do you just want to sit on your heels and keep waiting and, and just keep waiting for the next thing to drop? Or do you want to join us and protest peacefully against this? Because I'm all about peaceful protests. I've read that study that says 3.5% of a population protesting peacefully has a 50% success rate. As soon as you get violent, it goes down to 27%. We're at way more than 3.5. So I would put us at way more than a 50% chance to get out of this. We need to just keep doing it, keep repeating it because we're up against repetition and the more people we affect with your show and my ranting on the getter now it is like the more we can do that that's that's our cause that's what gets us through this chaos storm if you have a just cause that's also a part of sun Tzu that you need for victory is a just cause people need to believe in something and the people that are on trudeau's side don't believe in anything they just believe in you know news told me i'll be out of chaos if i do this but i'm starting to twitch and starting to feel bad the more i get these vaccines so we we have a good cause we can show an example of what a good living human can do of looking people in the eye being a social human being a general level up within the despair operation and we're against people who just want to crouch up and it's like a reverse inversion of the movie the matrix where instead of fighting to get out of it and they're all happy to eat real gruel and real porridge and zion rather than be in the matrix eating virtual steak like that one turncoat did like they prefer that they prefer being free in the movie the matrix so these people are no longer allowed to watch the matrix and appreciate how good it is because they're being an ironic inversion of that where they want into their pod it's safer in my pod. I can't breathe in your air. This is like three masks being in my own pod. 
You know, that's what they're being trained and psyoped into. And who wants to live that way? I don't, you don't. And we're going to keep living that way. And whatever happens, it's not up to us now. It's up to the people waking up. And God, I hope they do. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great response. Um, yeah, I don't even remember it. Like I went on a tangent there. I'm yeah, sorry. No, we got to really, write really some like, point on form. I was talking yeah. about this though, Alex. <laughs> uh, no, it was really good. No, I, I had a feeling it would be. Um, um, just when you mentioned Dr. Roger Hodkinson, yeah, I, I remember he was one of the early voices that you know. He, I think he came on some council call. It's it's funny how these voices of reason make their way out into the world despite you know despite all the censorship you know it travels over here traveled all the way around the world his voice and it was just so reasoned and i think reason stands out in a world where everything is <coughs> you know how do you say yeah just bullshit so um yeah it's interesting he how he he stayed there because I only then saw him. I think you, some video of you in a room with him or somewhere. And I, I thought, oh, yeah, wow, it's it was it it's was great awesome. that he is there. Yeah, and I was scared of him too because he speaks with such authority, like he wouldn't have time for a pleb coming with a question. But he is the most infinitely patient man. Anyone that comes up to him, he'll talk to you for about whatever you want for as long as you want. Uh, very gracious human being, and and he got my parents to actually stop at one shot of of Pfizer because I brought him along on an iPad and I'm like, oh, my parents watch all the Britcoms, maybe a British accent filled. Like that's the thing he does well. <laughs> he lists his creds up front of yeah. how credentialed he is. Like, I'm a pathologist. Your lab results don't reach you until I say that they're good to go. I'm part of the fellowship of pathology. And, and he lists the creds to, and he it's talks so with this though. good I, air yeah. of, of appropriate disgust with what's happening. And, and some doctors will just do their, their cut and dry that monotone where he just puts the right amount of emphasis on his points. And yeah. I showed that to my parents, one of his talks, like he was outside some glass doors somewhere speaking to people. And it was just one of those classic, read my lips, nothing works. Give some vitamin D to the elderly, treat this like a bad flu, but you're ruining lives. And, and my parents stopped at their one shot and you know, hopefully that's that's working out and, and they'll be on you know ivermectin or whatever kind of black market stuff i need to get illegally for them if they ever do get covid yeah or one of these i have variants. some if you ever well i mean yeah i'm sure you get i have stuff, people but... that can get it but yeah, just think about some, how crazy yeah. the world we live in is where a safe proven treatment is forbidden from doctors being prescribed oh, it, or they're I, at gunpoint of losing their ability to prescribe in the future well Jesus. you see that and again that kind of comes down to you know when when we were kind of i, I was trying to kind of get your sense like this kind of solution orientated like the likes of McCullough mm -hmm. was evidently somebody who just wanted to solve a problem that he was presented with because he was a problem solver you know that's his job was to yep. actually help and save lives and in this instance it was save lives and the like and the same with Pierre Corey that, that was the sense of them it's like you okay I'm presented with the problem I'm going to do everything I can within the remit of what's possible to save lives um but I was going to ask you, just you mentioned your parents, I was going to ask how all of this was going with friends and family and all of that. I've kind of been a black sheep for a long time that they've rolled their eyes at and dismissed when I kind of talk about, you know, the 
demographic replacement 10 years ago. And it's like, you know, democracy re relies on demography and we need to with withhold and, and incentivize a culture of our own people to have children and not just mass import uh, every culture possible with like this reflex of it's racist to ever object to mass immigration. So they've, they've dealt with me for a while being this kind of controversial opinion, but it, it happens. It, there's people very dear to me that, that do not see my way of thinking and, and they'll message me and they'll say, Oh, you're doing a great job in, uh, in reporting this stuff. And I, and you know, I like to weigh both sides and, and I'm like, well, you know, one side's lying and, and we don't have enough time to do your little mismatch of one side says one thing and other side says one thing. I'll go right up the middle and I'll be correct. I'm like, that is a false trichotomy. There is a mm -hmm. dichotomy of right and wrong here and I'm right. And I'm willing to debate. I had like a top doctor challenge. I'm like, they'll make mincemeat of me and what I don't know. And they'll show me studies, but can one of them please just come forward and answer basic questions? Cause all I'm going to ask them is why are you not treating? Why is a safe proven treatment being, you know, forsaken for an unproven, unsafe, unefficacious trial of, of mandatory vaccine? That's all I'm going to ask any top doctor, you know, Dr. Tam or any of these uh, appointed uh, doctors who Kerry Mullis, PCR creator, uh, Nobel Prize winner. He said, do not trust these people. Do not trust the Fauci's. They have a political agenda that has nothing to do with keeping you well. But we have outsourced all this thinking. And I talked to Dr. Byron Bridal, who is like the smartest human I've ever talked to. And he's an immunologist. And I said, what's going on with, with people outsourcing this authority to doctors? And I, I mentioned, I said, I, I remember hearing him say something. And I said, I remember you said one thing like that doctors have only heard like, you know, five lectures on vaccinology, which is a subgroup of immunology in their medical learning. And he's like, oh no, it's much worse than that. They've only heard maybe five minutes of vaccinology and five lectures on immunology. So I'm like, wow. Okay. So we have many people outsourcing their authority on radical MRNA gene therapy that are like, trust it. My doctor says it's okay. You're not my doctor. And it's like the average person that's been paying attention knows more than your general practitioner about MRNA therapy right now. That like we've entered that world where they've outsourced their thinking in a very dangerous way to first news sources that use hardcore communists as their sources of what hatred, find hatred, um, support inclusivity, support diversity. And the people who they're listening to are this are far left communists who anything right of far left is declared Nazi. So that's a big problem because they watch the news. They've got, you know, they've just become soft brained over anything that is patriotic must be a Nazi. And then with their medical beliefs, they've outsourced all their thinking to a consensus that we can demonstrate to them. They're attacking doctors who disagree with the consensus and science is supposed to refine itself through doubt and measuring one thing against another. And anytime someone comes in with doubt towards vaccines, it's what I call vaccine certainty psychosis that the consensus is suffering from. They're certain the science can change. There may be variants, but use that same old crap vaccine that was only for the alpha and maybe work well against Delta variant, but it's totally useless against all these other variants, right? Cause they've just evolved around it. Like your Dr. Vandenbosch said, you've put uh, an immunology or some sort of pressure, an immune pressure on the on the virus to purposely go around your vaccine now, where our natural immunity attacks all aspects of the virus, making spike proteins just attacks the, the virus just says, oh, I just changed the spike protein, then I'm around you. So it's made useless by the variants, yet they keep giving you the old crap. I would have assumed back in the day that a booster would be upgraded to address Omicron. They didn't upgrade anything. They bought 10 billion of these vaccines and they're going to give them out to you. 
they're going to have to get through those 10 billion, no matter how obsolete they are. That's the crazy world of outsourcing your thinking to other authorities and doctors do it too. You think about how vast the medical world is. You could spend your life being an expert on the big toe and not have covered everything about the big toe. So you have to trust information coming in from other doctors and they get this paralysis. And that's kind of like when I was talking to Dr. You know, Peter McCullough, I was kind of, I, I, I said to him, um, it seems to be that uh, the doctor-patient relationship has ended and it's it's now a state and patient and the, with the state advising. And I said, you know, in a, in a normal world, I'd come to you and go, uh, like, I'm pretty healthy. I've had it. I don't really need this, do I? And he'd go, no. And that would be the end of the discussion. End mm-hmm. of the discussion. But that... Even just, you know, that, that those couple of sentences, that's the normal, simple world. That's was totally lost in all of this, the way you're describing this hypnotic view of the world. That's simple doctor patient. Do I need this doctor? Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's where the thing just escalated into crazy land, really, you know, in a really short space of time. And um yeah, fucking hell. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we have any good news? Let's end off some good news. Right? <laughs> People are waking up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't really know if people are or not. I think because, and I don't really even want to go down that because the discussion point has so radically changed overnight, like in a heartbeat. Um, I really don't know, and I really don't know if any people want to know. I really, yeah, yeah. Who I, wants I really... to find out that they were poisoned and that their DNA has been altered by mRNA messages that mimic the HIV virus and create the line one enzyme and express actual spike proteins in your healthy tissue, so your immune system might one day attack your own healthy tissue? So it's it's really not a pleasant thing to acknowledge, and it makes the doctors who have recommended this to their patients criminally conflict interested to not admit that it's vaccine related. Oh, that rash is stress related. Oh, that is this. They, they won't question it because then they would have to face the belief that they have poisoned all of their patients. It's a really bizarre world where they've recruited people into their crime syndicate by just going along with it. But that's what we've been trained to do over decades is take the path of least resistance. Wear a mask. You'll be a hero with your mask. You're saving everyone's life. You know, it's, it's that's the easy hero shortcut. The tough mm. hero shortcut is to talk about these difficult things, challenge the consensus, even if it means you're going to lose your medical license, like many of these doctors have. Dr. Alexander, I believe, has like nothing. He went from the top from being in Trump's warp speed, being at Trump's side, talking about vaccines and, and rolling out the development to combat this pandemic to almost having nothing now and walking around Canada relying on the kindness of patriots because that's how far he went to uphold his Hippocratic oath and doctors are in this unique perspective or unique position same with police officers same with other people of having to make the choice of right and wrong and a lot of them have chosen wrong but they need to know that there is redemption and salvation for admitting that you were fooled and helping us go up the chain of who fooled you and what the hell were they doing there is redemption available for people that have gone along with this mass consensus of evil for so long and and i think it's important that they know that like everyone can be forgiven you injected your children that's horrific i'm sorry you 
did that. You can be forgiven, but you must help us find a way out of this, which is getting us away from these failed experiments. It's a real big emergency when you're worried about people in Ukraine right now, but you're not worried about the mass poisoning of children with these vaccines that I think it was RFK Jr. said, your child is a one in three million chance of dying of COVID, but a one in 2,700 chance of getting myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, which in half of those cases, you'll require a heart transplant or die within five years. So once you put it that way to people and you say, you know, there's a one in 5,400 chance of your child requiring a transplant or dying if you take this vaccine to protect them from something that they've always been safe from, you know, that we need to acknowledge this emergency and keep this state of emergency in people's minds till they properly react. I, I don't I, know. I, yeah, well, you see, that's the thing. I, I you know, when I was speaking to Dr. Van den Bosch, uh, his idea of prophylactically um, treating uh, nations with antivirals, you know, is a kind of a good news, at least it's a solution, because, you know, who wants to deliver the news? I, you see, I don't know for definite about, I don't know, not even for definite, I just don't know when it comes to when you say, you know, he said something about once it gets into your DNA, there's no changing the system. I don't know whether it's long-term damage. I don't know whether, you know, does it happen with two, with three, with four, at what point, you know, uh, I, but he was kind of suggesting the more you take it, the worse the problem could be. And then I, I you know, if you, I pushed him a little bit and I said, how sure of you? Well, first of all, he didn't want to kind of have the conversation. He was kind of going, look, I don't really want to tell you what I'm thinking here. I'm, you know, I don't, I'm a little bit afraid to, you could mm -hmm. sense his reticence. So I pushed him and he described the scenario and then I asked him how sure he was. And he said 90% and he, he said conservatively 90% that he'd be wrong. So in other words, that there's only a 10% chance that there won't be a new variant and that new variant could be much worse. Now that's, kind of a doomsday hypothetical it is still hypothetical despite somebody being unbelievably you know it's like that dumb and dumber scene you mean there is a chance that everything will be fine and we can all just sit back um but you know in that moment he, i don't know i don't have enough education to say are you definitely true he says he's in the kind of a finite minority of scientists that, that's saying it's not over there's more to come and I don't know about the damage uh, to people like Elon Musk put out this picture of, you know, this idea of the unvaccinated waiting for the, the vaccinated bad things to happen and the vaccinated waiting for bad things to happen to the unvaccinated. Whereas at the moment, there seems to be problems. And I spoke to Dr. Jessica Rose, the number of incidents and virus seems outrageously large, like, mm -hmm. you know, over a million incidences, and that's underreported by a factor of who knows. The, the number of deaths is 20,000, and that's underreported by a factor of whatever, and that's just the US alone. But still, we don't know. That's data, and we don't know. All we know is, well, where are we today? In some countries, like in my country, they've stopped the mandates. Masks are optional. Now, it's surprising because it's not like my country has been out shouting and standing on the streets. They've some, everybody's kind of going, how come you've stopped? You know, what's going on? And there's a kind of a, a bated breath waiting almost. The UK has been kind of an outlier, but still following the line. And then you've got the rest of Europe, lesser and greater degrees. You've Canada, and then you've got the US, you know, you've got the likes of Florida, who were kind of amazing in their approach. I love their surgeon general, who's just amazing how he talks. At least he's political, 
but he's rational. You've got Texas and you've got the more liberal part, but where are we? We've got a narrative. If you're, if you're at home and you're just by the river fishing, you never turn on the TV, then that's all that's happening. You know, you've just got that. Mm. But the mainstream narrative is now Ukraine and nothing else, nothing else. Oh yeah. And where that's where we're at. Now, what's going to happen next? I have no idea. No idea. Well, well, they know. They There's one target, and that's the unvaccinated. They do not want to have any unvaccinated, because why would you? If you've destroyed everyone's immune systems and everyone gets swamped with huge, deep viruses every time flu yeah, season Yeah, we're the control around, group. Yeah. yeah, the control group not existing. So Ireland doesn't need to worry. You've got 90, what, 99% vaccine? 90% uh, apparently. Yeah, yeah, 90% yeah. have opted for it. Canada, although the children, there, but I think they're the lying. children. Yeah, it's one in yeah, four yeah. only. Yeah, yeah. So the more the merrier to them because they welcome the next big pandemic because it's more reason for more lockdowns, more control. They steal a bit more every time. So it's like, yeah, go home, enjoy this, you know, little brief respite, but we're going to wait for Vandenbosch's um, variants to return. And, and then we're going to enter back into your lives and, and throttle you again. But why was the big push against the unvaccinated? They always admitted it, that our goal is to make life bad for the unvaccinated. So they get vaccinated that they did not want a control group. And when you have that, you don't need your knockdown definitive proof to believe something. You've got way more than enough to reverse the benefit of the doubt that we would normally give these people and replace it with a penalty of suspicion and say, you know what? Now you got penalty of suspicion. You lie to a court once, we don't trust you again. Yet you've lied to us about viruses don't obey borders, let the Chinese fly in or we're racist, don't wear masks, then do wear masks as if masks was some sort of frontier science that was evolving. It wasn't, yet they 180 turned on a dime and lied to you about that. The sources we've been trusting have no, we have no logical reason to trust them anymore. When you go to hospital with COVID and you're sick, they will not treat you. That is no longer healthcare. That is death care. They're caring for your death and your speedy exit out of this world if they're not going to treat you with I ivermectin, I whatever Peter McCullough's protocol is and Zelenko's. If they're not doing that, they are no longer a healthcare system. And it's it's really a, a dire straits time to remind people that we've got basically till winter, maybe that's when they're poised to like return in September. And they're saying we're taking these away, but we're ready to drop them again, which is saying we are not ready to listen to evidence that our experiment has failed. And that's what we must do. Provide the evidence daily that your experiment failed. It keeps unraveling. You can keep saying squirrel and look over at Ukraine, which Ukraine, no one knows anything. What are you going to do? What are you going to find out about Ukraine looking at it online? Who's lying to you? You don't know. Joe Biden quid pro quo the prosecutor of Ukraine to stop an investigation into his son. Once it's been abused by the West and these cronies that we've been shown, Russiagate showed you that the entire edifice of United States law enforcement, Department of Justice, Hillary Clinton's Department of State, working with, you know, Australia's Department of State, they were all working together to paint Trump with this air of Russia on him, which never existed and was whole cloth their creation. Now, like I told you, a court lied to you once before. Why do you trust them again? Why do you trust any of these sources that Putin's going after Ukraine for the reasons they describe? It, it has nothing to do with that. It's a total virtual war where it's been exposed with all kinds of fake footage from 2014. There's no no reason to trust anything or wade into it thinking you're going to figure anything out we i have people in canada that can't shut up about ukraine and they're changing all their avatars to pro ukraine to show their virtue but they didn't understand what like was your going headphones on. Oh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah my ukrainian headphones. yeah and, and so yeah, yeah. 
in Ottawa, it was on their doorstep and they didn't know it was happening. Yet you're going to understand what's happening in Ukraine, which is totally controlled by the Bidens, Obamas, the Clintons, this whole syndicate that has destroyed Earth and worked with international communists to end our freedom as we know it through digital passports and the nonstop specter of, of viruses invading our life. And they're using it as a smoke to get away from the accountability of what they did to the guinea pigs, to all these people that wanted into this experiment to get their freedom back. They even told you it's nothing to do with medical reasoning. Once you do this, you'll be free to enter a restaurant. Who the hell does that? We, we have reached rock bottom in critical thought in the West because we've it's just like people that get instrument fatigue in, in airplanes where they haven't flown a biplane enough to get a feel for the aircraft. They've just got all these buttons and they punch in, they type their destination and the plane just flies there. You're not going to get good at flying and thinking about things about flight when the instruments take over. That's what's happened to humans with the internet and this bombardment of narratives that we wish to be true, giving us the path of least resistance. It has molded us into these shapeable beings where they're using AIs to guide our behavior behavior and they want to make us opt into this system where we're like give us ai's the rest of our life reward me for ratting on my neighbor make my money worth more than his that's all coming down the pike if we fall for this but i think with 20 percent, it's probably 20 percent in most western nations aren't going for it so will that 20 percent be able to group together and survive this is it a big move to red state america and then you know we conquer everything back once it collapses north of us i don't know what the answer is but i certainly know that when we're going through chaos we have a good cause that's why i I can talk to you. I can talk to any opponent of mine for as long as they like, because we're not hiding. The truth is very simple. And the lies are you have to hide. You have to call people misinformers about vaccine. They're causing vaccine hesitancy. They dismiss people like racists if you talk about open borders. And, and all these words are designed to shut down thought and just calcify and atrophy human brains from ever thinking about anything. But hopefully they'll start thinking. Yeah, we see that is it is a, like it is kind of the, we're in a. Uh, you know, an information war, like I suppose, like his info wars, that it is kind of that, you know, that's where the battle is fought these days. It's and it's for minds in a way. And, you know, every time they take a mind, you could argue, you know, you could say it is absolutely that. And and the, the ways to combat are pretty basic, but they're also unbelievably um, effective. Like, you know, you say one, you, you, you speak unbelievably well, you're incredibly researched, articulate, they, you, um, and I mean that. And, uh, but, you know, I say one thing about you. Yeah, he's a good guy, but you know, he, all, I, I even have to say something like really vague, like, you know, he was in a bar. I saw him in a bar, he was, he was very drunk. But like, I'm not saying anything wrong about the guy. He's a lovely guy, but he's very, very drunk. I'm not, you know, I don't think there's problems at home or whatever the fuck. I have to, two sentences and you're, you're gone then. Somehow, yeah. everything you've said, everything valid you've said, everything that might be in a position to enter this fucking, you know, locked yep. tight thing is it's, oh, that's who he is then. He's that. And then I can't take him seriously. Whereas then the wolf in like, you know, it's, it is biblical this in some ways, if you were to be really dramatic and you, and you go, you see these people because they look like someone who appears to be uh, good or they look like somehow, you know, they look like somebody who seems to be intelligent, know what they're talking about because they wear a suit, they're groomed or whatever, then it must be true. And they've got a pulpit, you know, they're standing like, Hundred years ago in Ireland, it, it wouldn't have been true unless it was the priest talking. Now it has to be on on the news or whatever, and then then it's definitely true. 
And so, but it is a war. And in this war, they've got the biggest, the biggest thing is not like warships. It's their megaphone is way, way louder. And they've also got control of everybody else's megaphone. So they'll let, you know, they'll let my podcast go out to 1500 people, maybe the one with Dr. Peter McCullough. But it's, you know, the one I did before with uh, Jessica Rose was gone in a heartbeat. And it somehow went on to rumble and got to more people probably than my audience. But, you know, the, my channel is never going to go anywhere. And if it does, it's just delete. You know, so it, mine probably is only going to the converted, unfortunately, to the minds that are kind of like, well, this is how it is. So, the, but it's in its simplest form, that's where this battle has been fought. It's not really been fought anywhere else, but in the hearts and minds of people because of this constant bombardment of information, isn't it? Like yeah, it is. yeah. But people, I, I, being an optimist here for a second, I would say people are waking up. People are getting out of it and they're binging. And like my, my father is now watching stuff and he's, he's fallen down the rabbit hole and he's almost, you know, he's 74. So, so there are people that are coming out of this. And what you and I do is we just keep plotting forward no matter who's watching because people will look for whose statements and opinions and dialogues matched reality the best. And that does count for something when, mm -hmm. when, when reality matches exactly what we've been saying and foreseeing and guiding people to guard against that your value does go up over time. So I keep doing the right thing for its own sake and, and speaking up because I don't want to have regrets. I can deal with a dystopian future if I know I did everything to avoid it. And, and that's a good way to, to have a sane life of not having any regrets and being able to tell your children, I tried. I tried to give you the upbringing that I had in the free world uh, and I did everything I could. And here is it, here it is documented. So, mm -hmm. so for our own, you know, posterity, these things are great to do, but, but yes, we are living. Anything virtual is in the leftist realm and the leftist realm is very tech Valley centric. And they've got control over all these moderators and sensors of content and the AIs and the algorithms are like, they're using their own generals. They did it against Trump. So Stanley McChrystal was a guy that general Flynn actually spoke really well of in his book, Field of Fight, where uh, McChrystal changed his tactics and he, he did surges in Afghanistan or no, in Iraq that, that took the Anbar province back and he did all these great things. But even a friend of General Flynn liked war so much that he sided against Trump and operated the algorithm that they would use in foreign nations to you know win hearts and minds of the people in Afghanistan and Iraq. They used that on Americans in the 2020 election to fact check Trump disproportionately and not fact check Biden. And the fact checks aren't real fact checks. They just provide someone with another angle, say misinterpret uh, hyperbole for fact. You know, they would do all these kind of tricks that they've used on foreign nations because they're threatened. An outsider threatened these CIA intelligence agencies that have ruled over us as well and committed many crimes they're not willing to admit to. So these forces have been turned on us. It's a huge wave we need to get over, but we will get over it with the amount of people that are waking up now and, and how we've got much more they're not doing it to a people who are kind of ignorant to freedom and have never lived it. They're doing it to people who have very good memories of what it was like to be in a free nation and very high average IQs that these same tactics won't work on. So we're in a phase now where they're very desperate. The most powerful people on earth are at their maximum desperation and no one wants to be a leader because the leaders get just cut down at this moment. In the matter of Sun Tzu, they have all the power still. They have power over the information. They have power over the armed forces and the, they're, they're purging that 
that if you don't go along with their communist ways. They want cops that are patriots to resign by defund police operations, by turning the citizens against police officers. So there's this mass effort going on, but yet still I find people want cohesion in their thoughts and they don't have it when they have a vaccine that's making them feel worse yet they're mandated to keep doing it i think people are too smart for that i think more and more people are waking up and it will be a snowball effect once a few bigger names come back and rise to the fore and we win will we will win this battle and it's going to be a very optimistic summer of learning to prepare for what their dark plans are for the winter and us not falling for it again because they they're going to use the same tricks and i've used one quick story and then i'll end it off here is is that napoleon was just throttling all the armies of the continent, right? And he was just destroying the Prussians, then the Austrians and the Russians and just taking them apart. But then he got to Russia and everything froze up and, and then he retreated back home and all these armies had learned. It's like, okay, don't fold and run. Just hold on to your you know, bayonet and, and walk forward like, like Napoleon's armies did. And so at Leipzig, he tried all the same tactics, but it didn't work. Those defeated peoples had gotten stronger and coordinated better and didn't retreat as fast as they used to. The same thing's going to happen when they use this old tired trick of time for lockdown again here's a dangerous variant that's napoleon using the same tactics but us being the austrians prussians and russians will say no 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 no. and the brits coming up through the iberian peninsula will just say no we're not running from this you're the one that's the problem now we are not blaming our freedom on future variants we're blaming the people who created it the fauci's the public health institutions that were designed to protect us our funding gain of research from bats to human respiratory viruses we're going to process that fact and hold you to account for that instead of just going along with your plans to fully control our lives to save us from a pandemic you created so we've got a lot of stuff on our side and a lot of stuff going for us and there's no reason now to to shut our mouths and be quiet there's all the reason in the world to do peaceful protests get the word out and let these tyrants keep exposing themselves whatever may come beautiful i i'm i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna bring you right back to home in my house right um when I start going on a rant, say it's morning time and my second cup of coffee is kicking in. And I, I say to my wife, okay, I, I, I need to say this to you. And I go on a rant and I literally have a timeout zone where she just goes, no, no, no. Okay, that's enough. You've had your five minutes. I'm going back to look at whatever I'm looking at. Shut up. What's it like in your in your space at home? How much, I mean, you... You must be, oh. you must just walk out yeah. of the room. Well, or... my wife is a special case because she works with like high profile surgeon she works in the operating room in hospitals so i am immediately not a source to be regarded like the surgeon she works with so i i have this where where we have this zone of things we're not allowed to talk about but it does you know through osmosis of just being around me and seeing my arguments and seeing you know i'm talking to bigger names and this couldn't be just because i'm a misinformation spreader and and <laughs> you know her sister watches me and maybe through her sister sharing something you know it'll, it'll get through to her indirectly but I have the same trip minds in, in people that I dearly love that are watching. They've been watching a different movie for so long and we've been used to not talking about the things we disagree with and instead focusing on what we agree on. But uh, those tough questions, I'm very strategic about who I think is susceptible to me talking to them and for how long I can talk to them before I get a timeout signal. And, and right now, if, if my wife is happy with, you know, it, taking care of the kids and letting me go around, do my thing. And she, you know, she believes what she believes and she's not my, you know, strategic aim to convert at this point, but yeah. I have gotten her along to what we can agree on as you get no more shots and our kids never get touched with this. And she's in full agreement on that. So I consider that a strategic win for, uh, 
for us. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. even even the other shots for our children, I'm like, I asked Dr. Byron Bridal, I said, Wait, now you believe in other vaccines that are pre this vaccine that, you know, the, the live attenuated virus vaccines, would you be willing to go back and have a commission on all of these to all those anti-vaxxers that have been marginalized this whole time for it causes autism, it causes this for the pre-COVID vaccines and look at them because it's the same Fauci crew. And he's like, oh, totally. We, we really must do that. So it's mm. good to know that the top of the, the field isn't going, no, we shouldn't do that. We trust them all we know that everything was done right with all those pre-covid vaccines there is a belief within the top people in the field that we need to go back and look at everything so one thing at a time convert who you can convert if someone is you know tickled by by articles you read i find it's mostly not me that's going to do it it's me putting an ipad of oh have you seen this this is awesome can you believe what happened like you tee up a few of that then you put on dr bridal or you put on dr hodkinson or dr hoffer one of the you know all of them who's your one there the irish lady she's amazing cahill Dolores? Yes, Dolores oh, Cahill, yeah, yeah. She's amazing, right? And she's yeah, top yeah. of the field and, and you she got totally discredited here, totally and utterly discredited. Yeah, exactly here. what you yeah. said. They mentioned something that she was wrong on and that just it takes away from all the great advances and all the things she was right about. It's judge them by their lowest moment and dismiss yeah. them. Mm. It's a very creepy thing, but yeah. But she yeah, is yeah. really qualified in the field, is she not? She's unbelievably qualified. Yeah. Unbelievably qualified. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't I don't know really much about her now because she's not really she doesn't have a, a forum in Ireland. Ireland's very strange. We're kind of a we're very dispersed, you know, United isn't really something that has ever been for throughout our history, really. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't see it and I definitely don't see it even with the various movements. There kind of is a little bit of a movement here and a little bit of movement there. And now for the moment, you know, it's stopped. Everything has come to a, a, a pause, like I said. So, no, I was just, I was curious as well, just to, for, um, you know, living at home and family life, like, because there is that kind, you know, it's kind of like, you know, my wife might say to me about going to some restaurant, you know, back when we could go to restaurants with ease. And, you know, it'd be like, she kind of say, you know, let's go, let's go to such and such. It's new, it's supposed to be lovely. And I go, ah, I don't think so. Let's go to the one we normally go to. And then mm -hmm. my friend goes, uh, check out this new restaurant. And then I go back to my wife and go, yeah, do you hear about this restaurant? She's going, that's the one I've been trying to tell you about for fucking ever. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of like that because you're so close that it's, mm -hmm. well, depending on the relationship, but you know, you spend so much time together that I'm not really taking you seriously. Do you know? Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, it is. And, it's and exactly I think that's like just that. seems to be how it is. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of lovely as well. And you just don't bother them. But and no, it's almost wife. like she's there. There's almost with with my wife, too. It's, you know, I haven't asked about all the hundreds of tools she has to lay out to do you know, an ortho surgery, which is just this massive pro prospect. So it's like, why am I telling her about all this stuff I know about when she's actually clinically trained to do very high level surgeries in the operating room? Mm. It's, it's almost like I should be listening more to her takes on stuff. So why would she open up? to me and this knowledge I claim to have in a world where she's told that internet mis misinformation is pervading everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, I'm not an authority to, to her way of thinking about medicine. And, but we have gotten that talk to towards a place where she knows that the vaccines are dangerous and, and I'll mm -hmm. take it. It's like, I don't need to keep peppering you with any more of this. As long as you know that we don't need to, to talk about it. But a lot of people don't have that in their families. This is ripped apart so many families and so many, you know yeah you see my wife got it at the same time as me so mm -hmm. 
and she was a nurse uh, as well. She's not practicing for a good few years, but logically she couldn't understand why, okay, if I've got it and I have a, would have immunity, why would, why, why would I need to get it? Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she was able to kind of for her, but then it became, it was becoming, and she didn't, you know, she didn't do it in the end, but you know, it was becoming more and more. She didn't, want to make any kind of statement she doesn't want to get involved in anything she just wants to kind of live her life go to restaurants and, she, and go travel and um and for her which i think is a huge vast majority of people just you know just leave me the fuck alone I, okay i'll do it if I, you know i trust you you know mm-hmm. you're not going to give me something i wouldn't do it so nobody else is going to do it and i think there is a in a way there is a kind of my sense is that oh People, there's a kind of trusting nature to people overall. Maybe it's you could say it's niceness, and maybe it's a lazy niceness or whatever type of niceness. But it's they couldn't imagine going out to hurt someone, and maybe they couldn't imagine that somebody might want to not care whether they're hurt or not. And going into the the dark place of how people mm-hmm. can operate, and I think that's for some of us can kind of just go to the place of, well, if it's, there's enough money involved, then you can delete that part of your thinking and you can just pursue it. It's like, no, exactly. It's like the Pfizer shareholding. I think if you wanted to, this we might end it on something like this, but the, you know, this, the Pfizer shareholding document came out a quarterly report and there was a statement in the report that basically said something like, yeah, our results might be affected by some untimely news coming out about the the vaccines. And that is fucking phenomenal when you think about those couple of lines in the shareholders. Mm-hmm. That's all really this is for some people. That's all it is. The, yeah. the, the shareholder, the share price might be affected because this, the, you know, the data has been released sooner than we expected, essentially. So just be no. aware of that. Isn't that fucking crazy? You know, when you, no, the, it is. To, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I find it to be such a boring answer, but it's the correct one of the follow the money. And and Dr. David Martin, who's, you know, done the the patent work back on on where all the patents came and when. And, and he said, like, I think it was who, who was the first doctor, Drazik or someone, one of Fauci's top lieutenants had been talking to Pfizer. And it's like they're the investors will come if they see profit at the end yes. of the tunnel. You know what yeah. I mean? There was some paraphrasing. Yeah, I saw that. There, I saw that. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, it's I like, that's exactly chilling. And, and it's, it's about yeah. profit to them. And, and that's before the pandemic was released. And you can see this glee in their eyes about people being perpetually addicted to products. And, and the, the, the profit has overtaken the wellness of human beings. Yeah. And human beings are too naive to assume that the people that have the Orwellian titles of healthcare would be instead in charge of their non-health, you know, and, and just getting them to be another profit livestock for for big pharma. It's just, mm. you know, it feels like a cliched answer, but it's the right one. It, I mean, it is obviously true. And that's what Corey is, is a master of talking about, is that how the cheap, effective treatments are being ignored for untested, profitable experiments. And mm. people can't get it through their heads that they're being guinea pigs for profit. 
It's like you're guinea pigged and you give up your life for these people. Hopefully, I mean, I, I guarantee I don't think they make many things without making some sort of remedy for them. And, and I've said anyone that has been injected should be looking for class action lawsuits to go sue these companies and get them to create some mRNA that reverses this. You know what I mean? Stop production of spike protein within my cells. Like yeah. there needs to be an outrage of like, why did you do this in the first place? This isn't giving me immunity. Like the live attenuated viruses are when they grow something in a Petri dish, satisfy Koch's postulates of being able to take one thing from one person, put it into another, see that they're the same thing. That hasn't happened with COVID. It's just been a general influenza corona marketing campaign. And then you don't treat it. And then you mandate treatments that make people sicker. It's a just, it's a sick world, but I don't know. We've been around the, the merry-go-round on this long enough. We, yeah. we all get it. But, but I think that this reality is if the elephant in the room is just too much and it can't last forever. And people are just burrowing their heads in the wall to not see the elephant in the room. And it won't last forever. They get tired of digging through the wall and they'll face the elephant and they'll say, you know what? Life is better knowing the truth. And, mm -hmm. and that's all we can hope for in this is just have a good cause, fight towards it. The fact that you're vaccinated and you came out of it, and I don't think you're going to be getting any boosters, you know, is, is hope for everyone else. Because really turning this in, they, their predictions for three hitters or for getting a booster is probably where our fight lies. Keeping that below like 60% worldwide would be a really good metric. We're probably almost at 60%. Can we keep it there over the summer? I think this ends. I, I don't think they have enough momentum to come back in the winter with a new deadlier variant, more mandated mRNA experiments. It's like, nope, you need to address the treatment before you rush us into this. And I think that's where Van and Bosch and Corey and all the rest of them and McCullough will really come to the forefront and start leading commissions to investigate why we were all uh, brought into this experiment. Did you, did you see, I can't find it now, but did you see, I think it was, the president of Zimbabwe, or it was two years ago, it came out, mm -hmm. and he talking about the lockstep, and he described this. Did you ever see that? He described Is this the guy that was. What was he describing? I think he tested like a papaya and sent that back, and it was positive. Was that no, the guy? He, or? Was, he spoke to his. Um... And he was a doctor as well. No, was no, he, he was the head of the country. I, yeah, I'm but he was sure, also, yeah, it might have been a doctor, but he was basically going through the lockstep document and he, he read out word for word about a, and this is the crazy, you see, the virus being released from a lab, not the not crazy, but you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. the virus being released from a lab that we let the first one out. And then when the second and third one, that will really get to the skeptics. And he described the whole thing and how slowly but surely it would they would crush the yeah. uprisings they're already foreshadowing the next lockdown and and yeah it, it's a Did document being one? released Did no i i've heard about it vaguely but it, it's logic and common sense would lead you to that being their strategy anyways right if you don't address there's there's a moment in history where we didn't properly address it it was all a wet market it was you know a bat flew 800 miles peed in the guy's mouth or he you know was sick when he was <laughs> he, he didn't cook him he didn't wash his bat meat enough before eating it okay and then SARS-2 popped out so that was our original explanation which I'm parodying of course but like it, it was it was that it was an accident it was a wet market accident mm. And it was that bat, moment. Though. It was the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. The bats are the weird ones in yeah. the game. Let's pick a poor old bat. 
Exactly. Right. And, and yeah. so it's a wet market that's 10 kilometers from their top level bio weapons, Wuhan, Wuhan Institute. So we'll put that aside for a second, that the odds of this happening organically, or maybe it was a bat that was being experimented on, which a guy, you know, snuck out in his pocket and gave to like a bat barbecue <laughs> uh, friend of his to barbecue a bat later. Maybe that explanation, too. OK. But then when the documents come out that show Fauci is working with them to get bat respiratory viruses to enter humans, and the logic of creating it is obscene. It'd be like the logic of, I was building a death ray that creates black holes just to see what happened in case some <laughs> bad guy ever did it. You know what I mean? The defensive yeah, yeah, yeah. logic of creating a bat to human virus that you know jumpstarts 800 years of evolution that it would normally take and splices in some HIV in there as well. The odds... Uh, it, <laughs> So that moment changed. So one day it was an accident. The next day it's certifiably uh, Fauci funding this. So don't even blame China. It was, they tried to do it. They were doing it like Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And then they were doing it in China because you weren't allowed to do it in America. And now what do we find is Russia attacking bio labs that are admitted to in Ukraine. So they're experimenting with these viruses wherever they can. So at that moment, it's stop blaming our freedom and stop start blaming Fauci. Start blaming the people that created this and don't live in this lunatic world where the people who created the pandemic are in charge of the response to it. You cannot have that happen. They are even people that make mistakes and continue to make mistakes need to be replaced because they'll be trying to save face instead of do the best thing, right? So it's good to replace people that have failed just on failure. Now you've got the criminals that have intent to deceive in charge of this. You can no longer go along with it. What cannot continue will not continue. And that's why I have faith that people will wake up to this. So yes, there probably will be a worse one coming out. Yes, they're foreshadowing it. Oh, you'll bleed from your eyes. You'll do all this. But we're not going to blame our freedom. We are going to blame Fauci and the crew that put this upon us. And if we're oh. not ready to do that, then, you know, that's the end of the West. Fine. We'll just all hop into our pods and become the reverse matrix. Oh, I mean, it is life is like a movie sometimes if you were to 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 describe it bit by bit. I mean, this is the the theater of dreams um, and, and nightmares is like, I mean, you know, and the, and the dark humor of did the coronavirus come from the Wuhan lab where they were making coronaviruses? No, no, it didn't. It came up. It came up the road from it. Oh, right. yeah. Well, OK, just 10 kilometers away. And <laughs> just came to, yeah. to, you know, where granny was. Um, you know, selling her bananas and whatever. Uh, I yeah. mean, it's... It, but yeah. that's like, it's it's always about appropriate reactions to moments in history that get lost in the news cycles. And we're lost in the news cycle of ever holding Fauci to account. And we're prisoners of the normal that has set in that, no, no, he was just, you know, it was just what they do at the NIH and NIAD is they, they you know, try and make bat viruses come into humans to see what would happen if that had happened in 800 years. You know, it's crazy. The logic's insane. There's enough doctors coming out of it to show that the logic's insane. And that's all the narrative I can keep bombarding people with is the next one that comes. Don't take it out on our freedom. Take it out on the people that created it. It wasn't an accident. You know, yeah. that's the only message that we can just keep belting out until the winter storm hits. Mm, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, Jesus. I know, a what a wind. downer. We got to do Yeah, we have to we're, end we're really, good People are going to wake up. People I know, like, well, no, I don't know people like being free, don't they? I think more people like to be free if I, I was to put I, betting I odds know. on it. I don't know. I think people like to be safe. Yeah, then we're going to balkanize. Comfort zone, I, yeah. you know, I think people, I don't actually know what people want or feel, or, but there is a kind of a safety. You know, the, uh, I walk around the shops, the masks are no longer mandated. They evidently don't work in the whole shopping center. Everybody's wearing a mask.
Like you don't mm-hmm. have to wear a mask, but everybody's wearing a mask. So what's that about? They don't work like. So why are you mm-hmm. wearing a mask? Because it feels safe. It feels like I'm doing something. I feel, or whatever reason. I'm not. It's not even a judgment. Wear fucking twenty masks. But uh, you know, do we want to have a discussion about whether they work or not? No. Fine. That's fine. Do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, um, because, but it's only when they it infringes on. I think some people value freedom. Some people they're not even value freedom. They just want to do what they want to do. They just want to do what they're doing and when outside hands come into their lives, like we said at the start, it's kind of, or in the middle of whenever the fuck it was. You know what I'm saying? So some mm-hmm. are affected. Some just, I don't know, just seem it's totally fine or whatever they're told is believed as opposed to, yeah. well, maybe it is true, maybe it's not true. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. But what I can say is just, it's normally simple. So what's simple? Well, don't tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. That's kind of easy. You know, that's fucking easy, isn't it? And yeah. uh, after that, let's, let's see, can we, you know, have a cup of tea or, or a beer or whatever the fuck and just chill out. Yeah. All elaborate plans break down. You can make the most elaborate thing account for everything and the unintended consequences will unravel. We just need to work to make sure that those unintended consequences land in our direction of freedom. And at least it's a good cause, even if we fail. So just put on your smiling face without a mask and enjoy that. I don't even have the option. I still walk around without a mask and it's mandated over here. And, you know, I, I attack people with the positive, Hey, how you doing? And usually it keeps everyone away from me from asking me to put on a mask. So, so we do those power moves and you live through life. And I would rather live right now with peril in the foreground and no right and wrong than have lived in that decadent period preceding this, where no one knew what was right and wrong. And we all just kind of existed meandering through life with this malaise. Like I'm not scared of a future where I know right and wrong. And we clearly can demonstrate it. Look at me and you just going around in circles, reminding each other that right and wrong is clearly on our side. And that everyone who disagrees with us has to just dismiss us using fallacious, fallacious arguments. So that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah. Well, you know, what is very unbelievably positive that um, somebody like you has got a voice and uh, you know, people around the world got to hear you talking. And in a, in a world where we were hammered in a totally different way, that's what's really positive. It's really positive that I get to have a chat with you out of nowhere. And I kind of knew that we were going to fucking chat from the moment I heard the sound of your voice. Like I thought, oh, man, I want to talk to this dude. I really, really want to talk to this dude. And uh, that's just, you know, that's amazing. And um because I was, I was concerned with all your all your high level guests. I'm like, oh my god, I'm following up doctors on this show. Good lord! Well, yeah, now you better you see, be ready there, to chat. There, there is a commonness though to the tonation of reasonableness. It's in the energy of how it's spoken. It's totally fucking free, really. I think, and um, and in the and it's riddled with doubt. It's riddled with here's what I know. I'm not actually shoving it down your gob. But here's what I know. I'd, I have to see it. And like, that's mm-hmm. why you, you, when you hear Dr. Peter McCullough in front of the Texas Senate, you hear him talking. You, I, I feel you can't help but being drawn in by that sincerity. It's not a fake sincerity. We're so used to the plasticness. And it's yeah, like exactly. the same with Pierre Corey. They stand out and it's not necessarily, it just so happens that their expression is being a doctor. But the nature of how they are is 
sort of kind of different, you know, it's a sort of different, it's just an energetic kind of thing for me anyway, it's kind of an energetic sensing of, well, this guy's just brilliant at what he does and he wants to do it and he's not been let do it. You know, you want to fucking talk <laughs> amongst other things and it's wonderful. So, but the, the energy is kind of the same. So it's not about being a doctor or whatever people do in life. It comes through, you know, I, I think anyway, it's a kind of a sort of a freedomy, honesty, integrity, or these are just words, but they're, it's not bound by trying to give an impression of something. It's, it's just an expression. So they're doctoring or, you know, revolutioning. Yeah. You know, no, exactly. Those doctors yeah. can speak off the cuff and not worry about it. Anytime top doctors are talking, they're reading. They don't want to mess it up. Anytime they get into trouble is in Q&A when they're not on their script. And, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll get caught on a hot mic in Ontario. One of our top doctors saying, I don't know what's on this paper. I just read what they give me. Like they said that before a press conference that yeah. our two top doctors were, you know, laughing to each other about how what they give me is what I read. And I'm like, well, we, we officially live in insane world. So we're, we're just going to have fun with it while we're here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's Shakespeare's. Yeah. <laughs> Actors on the stage. Tale told by, yeah. Yeah. All these roles. Yeah. Crazy fuckers, crazy life. Life is crazy, and I think it's going to get. <laughs> I, I think it's going to get more fucked up. I think yeah. there's a kind of a, a but I've as I could have, I, I sensed what was going to happen up until December. Mm -hmm. I had a kind of a, in, but I, I have no sense now of what's going on, of what's of what yeah. the next is going to unfold. I compare it to World War II, and I say that Churchill described World War II as after 1940 saying, you know, this is not the end, this is not even the beginning of the end, but perhaps it's the end of the beginning. And after the beginning ends, the beginning is when they launch all their chaos, and when, when their plans, and when the Blitzkrieg swallows Europe and no one's ready for it. But the remainder of that war, the next four or five years, is going to be people waking up and going against them. That's at least what we need to hope for, because another Churchill quote is, I'm always an optimist. I see no point in being anything else. There is no point in being anything but an optimist in our predicament. And they have way too many moving parts to manage. We can effortlessly talk about, McCullough can effortlessly talk about everything because we're not hiding anything. The people that are hiding things need increasingly elaborate schemes that people must be getting hip to. And if they're not hip to them, then we're destined, then our, our culture is too stupid to keep continuing and we'll balkanize with smarter cultures and and we'll get we'll gather in texas and florida but i'm betting on my country succeeding right now because you know optimists they've it's the end of the beginning now it's time for us to be chasing them instead of them chasing us I, and yeah. I think it'll happen. I think yeah. I think we've got enough doctors on board. We've got enough Joe Rogans and Tuckers who seem to be the intermediaries for a lot of the sheep that won't listen to us. But as soon as it happens on Tucker and Rogan, they're you know more amenable to listening to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully that little bit of wildness will. Yeah, it seems like the trucker light is. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a flame that that mm -hmm. kind of image anyway of them arriving into town, it, it's, I would say, I said to somebody, uh, you know, if you were writing a script, I couldn't imagine a solution or, or something like them. When, when, you know, that week of optimism, I just couldn't have imagined that these guys could just have such an impact or that they, that could have unfolded like that. I just, you know, couldn't yeah. see it. And, and out of nowhere, there's, there's something amazing about that, I think, but.
There's more to come. There's going to be way more of that stuff happening worldwide. People d- will enjoy being on their toes and not being on their heels. Mm. It's going to happen. Yeah. Positive oh, note. Oh, yeah. Look at that. We're just really <laughs> happy go lucky. Oh, man. It's so good to talk to you. Um, you too. I'm so happy that we got to chat. Um, and uh, fucking hell, yeah. So I'm going to try and get this out as whenever. I, I better go downstairs and feed my kids. My wife has left me. Not left me, left me. She's yeah, away yeah. with the girls for the weekend. So um, I'm on duty. Lovely. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, enjoy your freedom. And uh, yeah, my phone's buzzing here too. So I'm going to have to get ready and get my boys from school soon enough, my friend. Oh, but yeah, thank- it was great talking to you, my man. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. And we'll right. talk. I'll, I'll send it on to you and we'll hopefully talk someday. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Frank. Take it easy, dude.